afternoon, New York sports fans. I'm Danielle McCartan, Danielle at dinner time. And welcome into the show on this, you know, fall Saturday. I mean, it's a little dreary here in the city, but you know what? It's a fall, it's a beautiful day, everybody. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you for the next couple hours up until 9 p.m. Matt Casey and I are coming to you from the Carton and Roberts studio live here in lower Manhattan. And you go, guys know that number. It's already programmed to your speed dials, 877-337-6666. And as always, we will load them up with your best content only. Sports, that is. At 8.20 p.m., Odyssey's legal insider Amy Dash will join us live to give us all an education on the Deshaun Watson rumors, um, Pandora's box in Landover, Maryland, and what Trevor Bauer's options are. Should he exercise his player option? I'll do all of this, of course, as you know, through a New York sports lens. And that's what you've been accustomed to here on this show. And by the way, insider calls are presented by BetQL. BetQL is here to help all of us make better bets through real proven analytics. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. And uh, you know what? Before we get into the the thick of things, right? Uh, as you know, uh, there, there's been some news around here. <laughs> uh, at the end of my shift on Wednesday night, I handed the listeners off, you, to WFAN legend Steve Summers. Well, that night on air, he announced that his time here at this station, after 34 years, will be coming to an end, and this is a quote, more sooner than later. So... Congratulations on a brilliant career, transcendent of generations to a WFAN original, Steve Summers. He will be missed around here. And and I know that he said he, he didn't want to have a farewell tour. Actually, in his words, he said, Francesa had that, Joe Beningo had that, and I don't want to go through all of the glad handling and hugging and the kisses and all that stuff. That would embarrass me, end quote. But man, for an OG day one guy, how could you not? So we're all together going to stay tuned for any special plans to come if they do. But in the meantime, I want you, the WFAN listenership, and all the article writers out there to know that I put my name in for formal consideration for that full-time role here. I wanted to be clear about that. From this, you and I will see what happens. And in the meantime, last night, the first team punched their tickets to the Fall Classic. Representing the American League are the hated Houston Astros, who will be playing in their third World Series in now five seasons. Barf. Enough about that. Beginning at 8.08 p.m. tonight, while I'm on the air. Maybe by the time I leave here at 9 p.m., we also might have a pretty good idea of which team will be representing the National League in the World Series. The Braves are looking to send the Dodgers packing and to complete the reservation for two in the Fall Classic. We will stay tuned to that, and I'll have some updates, the updates, uh, here for you on the fan. Don't go anywhere, unless you want to watch it on mute and listen to me, then that's allowed. But here's something interesting from both the ALCS and the NLCS games that I noticed. The team to score first is 9-2 and two in those games. 9-2. and two. And if you wanted to get really specific... In the ALCS, the team that scored first was 6-0. and Undefeated! And in the NLCS, the team to score first is, well, 3-2. and I tried thinking of, like, how or why that could be. But there are just so many 
varying explanations for it in each individualized scenario. I mean, to give a team the initial lead, it, it could be as minute as a single bad pitch from a starting pitcher. Or it could be a defensive error. Or it could be a team manufacturing a run. Or it could even be a blown call. Angel Hernandez, anyone? Whatever the case. Scoring the first run seems to be really important in this championship series. And we'll see what happens when the Braves and Dodgers a little later on tonight. I'm pretty sure they miss it, and they definitely want it. So what can the Yankees do to get back to the World Series for the first time since 2009? And maybe that song's even older than that, B.B. Mac back here, right? You know, before we address that, I I was looking at the list of teams that have represented the AL in the World Series since the Yankees' last appearance there. Looking back, some teams kind of surprised me. Like, the AL teams that are, like, at the bottom of the barrel now— have been in the World Series more recently than the Yankees. I'm talking the Texas Rangers twice, the Detroit Tigers, and the Kansas City Royals twice, and even the Cleveland Indians. I mean, come on already. What are we doing around here? Here's what the Yankees are doing. They re-signed Aaron Boone to a three-year deal and a fourth-year team option, which was longer than anyone that I've spoken to publicly and in on you know my back channels on Twitter and, and everywhere else, right? That's longer than anyone thought it was going to be, and me included. So that clearly locks in Brian Cashman to at least that much longer as well because his contract expires at the end of this upcoming season. So you know what? Someone tweeted me, and I responded with a Buzz Lightyear emoji. Like, let's just extend Boone, Cashman, and Brett Gardner while we're at it to infinity and beyond at this point. And to me, keeping Cashman's the wrong move. We've talked about here extensively already. And what's left to do for Yankee fans is just to get behind them, to try to steer them in the right direction, and just hope they listen. So far, the Yankees have fired four coaches, which is two hitting coaches, their first base coach, and their third base coach. I mean, is that really the move? I mean, do these moves really matter if the philosophy of the team does not change? Were these moves executed just to placate the fan base and send the message of, hey, look, see, we're doing stuff here, we're taking action, Because to me, that's what it feels like. But you're going to know when the Yankees start making moves. You're going to know, and you're going to get a good understanding of what's happening on the fifth floor of Yankee Stadium when their free agents, acquisitions, because they're going to be them, right? It's inevitable. When those players start putting pen to paper and when the general manager starts wheeling and dealing. Only then will everyone know whether or not the Yankees' philosophy has in fact changed. That being the initiative, my McCartan initiative, to become better situational hitters, to play tighter defense, and to allow pitchers to go deeper into games. All signs are pointing to the Yankees landing Corey Seager, by the way. Last season, the New York Yankees struck out 24% of the time. Seager struck out 16% of the time. Check. Last season, the New York Yankees collectively hit 237. Seager hit 301. Check. Last season, the New York Yankees collectively hit 285 in, in batting average on balls in play. Well, Seager hit 322. Check. 
I mean, there's so much to like about Corey Seager, except that he doesn't steal many bases. Four, exactly, last season. But he's a lefty hitter, and he's a true shortstop, and that should be enough. The next thing I would do, if I am general manager of the New York Yankees, is ship out Glaber Torres for a starting pitcher. He's a second baseman, right? Okay, then where does DJ LeMahieu play? That's his best defensive position, second base. To me, that makes Glaber Torres expendable, in my opinion. And for the record, I told you this time last year that he was expendable for me then, too. And John Heyman has linked Robbie Ray to the Yankees. Well, we'll see about that. And here's a note to everyone that's pining for Max Scherzer. I'm with you. I really am. But he was scratched for his NLCS Game 6 start tonight after he threw 79 pitches in relief in Game 5, which is a ridiculous move. Using starters in relief roles is absolutely reprehensible. But after that relief appearance in Game 5, Scherzer admitted to having, he quote, a dead arm as far back to his start in Game 2. So he was scheduled to talk to the media yesterday, Friday, but he was not made available by the Dodgers. So before anyone mentions Max Scherzer's name on here again, Let's just figure out what this injury is all about because it sounds not just concerning, but alarming to me. Wishing and hoping and thinking and praying, planning and dreaming each night of his job. Yeah, the Mets are just so far behind the Yankees at that level. Before they could even begin to think about free agents and trade scenarios, the Mets have to find a manager. And... More importantly, they have to get their front office in order. After being turned down by choice one, Theo Epstein. After being turned down by choice two, Billy Bean. After being turned down by choice three and denied permission by the Brewers to speak to, David Stearns. Choice number four, a car dealership owner and former player Dorian Boylan said he would not be interested in the position. I mean, the Mets, though might have had their fifth choice emerge. According to a report by Daily News' Disha Thosar, Brian Sabian, who won not one, not two, but three championships with the San Francisco Giants in the span of five seasons as their general manager, I mean, that's a guy that Mets fans could get really excited about. He's a guy that started as a scout with the New York Yankees, so... You know that he knows the game of baseball. That's number one. And he also has experience as and has worked his way up to executive vice president of baseball operations. You know that those are the types of guys that I admire across any sport. The ones that have worked their way up the ladder and made basically every stop along the way. And Brian Sabian is that guy. And he has extensive experience in San Francisco, which... It's a big market. It's not like it's Kansas City or something, you know? But hold on, because Thosar's report says it's unclear if the Mets have reached out to Sabian. She says that he's looking for a new challenge, and he's going stir-crazy in San Francisco with essentially nothing to do. That's a quote. And apparently, he would move to New York, quote, in a heartbeat if given the chance. So what are the Mets waiting for? For me, this guy checks all of the boxes that the Mets should be desiring. And maybe he's going to bring Bruce Bochy along with him too. So, for the Mets, maybe everything happens for a reason. After all? As long as we got each other, 
Yeah, well, that is the growing pain song because, uh, listen, everyone knew that the Jets were going to go through some growing pains. Everyone knew there were going to be some inconsistencies. They have a first-time head coach. They have a first-time offensive coordinator. And they have a rookie quarterback to complete that trifecta. But at the bye, after a 1-4 and four start, the Jets aren't really showing any flashes of improvement, really. I mean, just think about how Zach Wilson is the first Jets player in the last 40 years to throw an interception on his first two passes of a game. The last to do this in the whole league? You're going to have to go back to 2011 when Tavares Jackson did it for the Seahawks. And if you're curious... It was week 11 versus the Rams. To summarize that, it's not good. And it's not really showing improvement that you want to see at this point in the season. I mean, the slow starts are not doing him any favors. It's absolutely killing this team. I mean, having to play from behind and having to dig out of an early hole is detrimental to a rookie quarterback because it immediately places pressure on them. I mean, because think about it. You can't exactly pound the ball on the ground when you're behind early. And then, did you see what Marcus May's agent tweeted? Well, it's being uncovered now. A tweet went out from Ian Rappaport saying, source, is a quote, source, Jets franchise tagged Marcus May is about three to four weeks out with an ankle injury. The top performer on their defense now heads to the sideline. Brutal. Well, Eric Burkhart, who's Marcus May's agent, quote tweeted that and wrote, this is a quote, should be back fully healthy just before the trade deadline. Well, there you go. That, to me, signals that Marcus May will not be wearing Jets green, whatever the color is, that Gotham green, much longer. So what do you want for him? I'd want, he's the obviously their best defensive player, maybe outside of C.J. Mosley, but C.J. Mosley's injured as well. So he's healthy, he performs, and what do you want for him? I guess at least a second rounder. At least. He's going nowhere fast on this team, so you might as well get something for him. And that tweet by his agent basically solidified the fact that, you know what? (laughs) He'll be on his way out. And can you blame him? He deserves. He's been the unsung hero of this defense for so long that he deserves to go somewhere where he he can win. It's just a matter of what the Jets can get back for him. There's gotta be a heaven somewhere Can you save me from this hell? Can anybody out there feel me? Cause I can't seem to feel myself Losing my way Yeah Keep the Giants keep losing their way. That's Justin Timberlake. That's a throwback, right? Uh, from Lawrence Tynes on my show the other night here on The Fan, he said, this is a quote, you have to think they'd play with a little more heart with that NY in their helmet. And us being there in a home game, I don't know. Lawrence Tynes on my show the other night continued on to say, I just don't know how much pride people have in playing for the Giants. I mean, whoa. He said, this new age of players, when I was there, there was just a huge sense of pride. And when I played for the New York football Giants, there's nothing cooler in the world. Well, can they find their way against Sam Darnold and the Panthers, these Giants? Um, that remains to be seen. Captain Logan Ryan said, it's just hasn't been acceptable, the results. It's not good for the fans. It's not good for anybody outside the building. It's not good inside the building. Sterling Shepard said, we can't give up on each other. I mean, give up. You're using the words give up this early in the season? And then Leonard Williams, he's got a problem with the booing. 
He said, we're in our home stadium. I don't want to be hearing boos from our own fans. I understand they have a right to be upset because they're coming to see us put good football on the field, and we haven't been winning. But at the same time, I don't know. I don't like that. Well, here's a message, Leonard Williams. You don't like that? That's cute. Play better. And then asking you may receive, one of my loyal listeners asked if I could add to the, the number of times sacked and the number of times hit to my uh, extensive chart I made the other night. And, and for good measure, I added in the number of times hurried. Um, what that chart summarized, I'll summarize it in saying that the opposing co- Giants, the Giants defense makes their opposing quarterbacks play like the top quarterbacks in the league. And I'm not kidding because the, the, the average quarterback rating against Giants defense for Bridgewater, Heineke, Ryan, Winston, Prescott, and Stafford, the average, 115.2. And if you look at the average like a quarterback rate for, for the quarterbacks in the league, that's like top five. So it's almost like the Giants defense is playing against a top five quarterback every single week, even though they might not be. The completion percentage... And and um, Bill Brophy sent this to me on, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. He said that Drew Brees has the NFL record for completion percentage in a season. It was around, it was like 74-something, right? You can look it up. But also, the Giants defense this season is averaging for their opposing quarterback 74.7% completion percentage. Like, that's historic. And then the amount of times that they've been... This, so this problem is obviously multifaceted. The Giants' are, defense especially is not playing complementary football. They've only sacked opposing quarterbacks eight times. Eight total. That's it. And they had zero on Winston and zero on Prescott. They've only hit a quarterback 11 times. And they've only hurried him 20 times. So... The Giants' defense is not getting or generating the pressure up front. Then the back end of the defense is breaking down. It's just it's just a, a gigantic mess for this Giants' defense. And again, the Giants' offense, unless I checked, averages around 21 points a game. Well, you aren't going to win many games, as we've talked about here, if you score 21 points, which is not bad, but your defense gives up more than 21 points. It's a simple formula, everybody. And it's a scoring party at the Garden. Last night, Emmanuel quickly set a team record of three-pointers for the Knicks. You know that I always believed in him. But don't get too carried away, Knicks fans. The Knicks are looking good. They are. But the Spurs had seven players in double digits against the Orlando Magic earlier in the week. And the Knicks finished last night with seven players in double digits. So maybe that's an indictment against the Orlando Magic more than it is against the Knicks. Don't, don't get me wrong. The Knicks are good. They play gritty basketball. They're fun to watch. And they were up 30 at the half with 17 assists. And you know what? Knicks fans are going to take it. They're going to love it. Because last year, the Knicks averaged 21 assists per game, which was the second lowest total in the league. And at the half last night, they had 17. Speaking of things at the Garden, well, the Rangers were up in Ottawa, and they had an exciting comeback victory. And you know what? Here's something for you Rangers fans. The Rangers scored three goals in a span of three minutes and 20 seconds in the third period to erase that 2-0 deficit. And and, And listen, the Rangers are an original franchise. It's the first time in franchise history 
that the Rangers have won a game in which it faced a multi-goal deficit in the final six minutes of regulation. That's exciting for New York Rangers as well. So let's get it going. I have set the table for you, and I can't wait to talk with you. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan in New York City. Danielle McCartan, Sports Radio Danielle at dinner time, and some of you guys are messaging me and telling me you're stuck in traffic. So technically, I guess this, this is Danielle in the drive time as well. And guess what? Today was the day. I know I said it was going to be yesterday, but uh, yeah, today was the day. Earlier today, I waited out the rainy conditions as long as I could. I completed my first ever 5K. I'm not a runner. That's a pretty big deal for me. And and uh, and I checked in with you guys along the way. Mile one, what an advantage of uh, of doing this virtually. I had a special guest with me, my Husky Lupa. She did the first mile with me and a little more, actually. And you would think that she would be such a great pace setter. She's a Husky. She's a sled dog. No, absolutely slowed me down. The stopping, the sniffing, the peeing, the cutting me off, the tripping me. I mean, for mile two, I dropped her off at home. <laughs> and then I continued on my own, which was better and more normal. She loved coming, though, so it was okay. And, and for that last part, the last stretch, it actually wasn't so bad. But I just want to thank you, everybody, for your your words of support, your encouragement along the way on all three of my social media outlets. You guys were awesome on the check-ins on Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, Twitter at Coach McCartan. And on Instagram, at Coach McCartan, at each leg. There was a check-in on each for each leg. So that was fun. What's the next challenge, everybody? Tell me. I'm into it. And as you may or may not know, I did it in conjunction with the New Jersey Devils. I'm sitting here in a Devils sweatshirt right now. And with RWJ Barnabas Health. And to date, you and I, together, have raised exactly, let me check it, $790. We smashed our first goal of 250. We exceeded our second goal of 500. And we beat our third goal of $750. So let's make it to our final goal of $1,000. The outpouring of smart support from you guys, the listeners, has been outstanding. 35,000 healthcare heroes at RWJ Barnabas Health. Thank you. And you have until 11.59 p.m. tomorrow night, Sunday night. To donate. This is your last chance. I sent out a link on the break on my Facebook page and on my Twitter. And since the last time we talked, I always do this, since the last time we talked, Edward Leica has donated to the cause. So thank you very much, Edward. I know you're a loyal listener. And if times are tough and you can't donate, that's totally fine. Totally cool. But what I ask is that you maybe click share on Facebook or maybe retweet on Twitter. To help me spread the word. And if you donated and you still want to share or retweet it, you're awesome. Thank you. And I completed my first official 5K. And I'm here with you guys today. I feel good. It was good. Now, let me know. What's the next thing we're going to do together, you guys? You let me know. David in Flemington. Uh, let's, go. let's go to the calls. 877-337-6666. In the order that you guys called. David in Flemington, you are leading off today on my show on the fan. Hey. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? 
pretty good. I just want to do um, first off, congratulations on the five K. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. And uh, second, I uh, I just wanted to say that I I disagree with the notion that the Yankees need to go out and get a shortstop. I really really trust Anthony Volpe in single A. I think this kid is killing it, and he's our next I'd say piece in our core four of the 2020s or the 2030s. Okay, so we're going to talk baby bombers again, right? Core four, this and that, these these catchphrases. That's fine. Volpe seems to be everything that the Yankees want and need in a player. Sure. He's not due till 2023. And if the Yankees are in win-now mode, which right, are they, right? I would think that they are. Can you really wait around for him? And, and who plays shortstop in the meantime? Where'd you go? He hung up. Oh, man. All right, well, I'll continue up on that point there. So that's that, That's a great notion, right? Anthony Volpe, by all accounts, is surging up the ranks in the New York Yankees organization. He's one of their top, what, at five prospects? I'd have to look. But great, that's awesome, great. But the problem is he's not due until at least 2023. And these Yankees are, I'm telling you, are in win-now mode. They are. I mean, look at what they've done. They signed DJ LeMahieu. They went out and got Garrett Cole. Resigned their manager, which you may or may not agree with. But the Yankees are, are in win-now mode. They always are. So in the meantime, you've got your general manager coming out and saying that your your second baseman, or Glaber Torres is your is is a second baseman. Well, then you got a backlog at second base. You got DJ LeMahieu at second. You got Glaber Torres at second. You got a guy like Rugnet Odor who could play second. Tyler Wade can play second base. So if your general manager literally comes out and says Glaber Torres is is a second baseman, well then who's playing shortstop? You're gonna ride out with Tyler Wade or, or Rugnet Odor at shortstop, or slide Gio or Shella over there? Come on. I think the sensible answer is this. Kyle Seeger, uh, Corey Seeger, and then his range, based on scouts' opinions, his range is is not what it used to be. And if you sign him, it's with the understanding that he's going to move to a different position, which in the Yankees infield would be third base. Now, shortstop to third base, I'm a shortstop. I play third base sometimes. I don't like it in, on a softball diamond because it is the hot corner. But actually, third base is, is an easier position than shortstop with less range of motion and mobility needed. So if Corey Seager is the one, which I think he should be, when it's time, don't rush him, but when it's time for Anthony Volpe to come up, he assumes the, the, the shortstop position and Seager slides over to third. So you have an infield working left to right of Seager, Volpe, LeMayhew, and then I know it's a big ask, but I think the bridges have been burned with, with Luke Voigt, and he's injured a lot. I think I think Anthony Rizzo makes a lot of sense in a Yankee uniform. He really does. He's built for Yankee Stadium as a hitter. Now, herein lies the next question is, well, will Hal Steinbrenner exceed the luxury tax? And if you're going to blow by it, as Steve Cohen says, you're going to do it. Not by little, but by a lot. That's the path that I wish these Yankees would take. That's it. Do what the Dodgers did. And I know they're facing elimination tonight, but we'll see what happens. That's my plan. Kevin and Camden, you're up next on the fan. Oh, Kevin just dropped up. Kevin, are you there? 
That's Josh in the Bronx. Oh, Josh, Kevin just dropped off. Oh, okay. All right, hi, Josh. How are you? Hi. First time, long time, and I hope you get that gig if, Steve, if and when Steve Summers Thank retires. Thank you. But, Appreciate it. You know, could you believe if Atlanta and Houston play each other <laughs> in the World Series? Yeah. I mean, these are two national... Look, Houston was a National League team before they moved to the American League. Mm-hmm. That would be... Hello? Yes, I'm here. Yeah. And that would be a very interesting scenario. But, you know, you have the stability, also you have the stability with the Yankees and the Mets are still looking for that, you know, for the, for the new breed to come in. Yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, and the Mets are looking to set the tone and figure out if yeah. they're going to be an analytical organization or a combination or an old, yeah. school, old school organization. They don't know. Yeah. Danielle, to make a long story short, I, I can set the table for you, so I'll do that on Twitter. Thank you for taking my call. It's been long overdue that I call you. Oh, Josh, so I'll I try and get in as much as I can. I just love listening to you on the call. Uh, thanks, Thank Josh. you for taking my call. Yeah, thanks for making it, of okay, course. bye. Thanks for that. Um, it, it, like you just said, the, Met, the Mets are far off from, from any of these decisions, which is unfortunate. But uh, for the Mets, they, they have two options here. They are going to have to extend a qualifying offer to both I think they should anyway, my opinion. They should extend the qualifying offer to Noah Syndergaard, who by all, all accounts seems to be that he's going to take it. So they're going to get Noah Syndergaard, and Mets, they're going to see you know, what he is. Yeah, coming off that injury, I know he had he pitched at the end of this season, but you know it wasn't with any sort of gusto, right? So they're going to see what he is, and he, if he ends up taking that qualifying offer, he is going to be playing under market value which is a good thing for the Mets. And I think they should extend the qualifying offer as well to, to Michael Conforto. And if he accepts it, he will also be playing under market value. But he's got Scott Boris as his agent. I don't think he's actually going to, to take it. And then the Mets are in a good situation because that gives him a compensatory draft pick as well. So the Mets are looking good in that front, but... If you're a free agent, if you're an impending free agent, especially a big name dude, are you really want to going to come to the? Are you going to want to come to the Mets without knowing who's actually really in charge? What the 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 the, the philosophy of the team is going to be? I, I know I wouldn't. So I just have to stay tuned and see what happens, and hopefully, the Mets start making moves. You know soon. Because if they get locked, you know, if, the, if this CBA and ends up being a lockout, they're going to be on ice, the Mets. We'll see what happens. And uh, in the early goings, there seems to be that front-running contender to be the Yankee shortstop next season. And he's going to have to find a n- different number to wear, though, that it is Corey Seager and his number five. How would his arrival affect the current and future Yankees infield? Coming right up on The Fan. Daniel McCartan. Danielle at dinner time here on the fan and 877-337-6666 is the number to call. I will go in the order that you guys called, of course. But before we get to you guys, and, and, and I know you're, you're, you're patiently waiting, it is abundantly clear that the Glaber short, Torres is our shortstop experiment is 1,000% over in the Bronx. And if you're a fan of the show, you know that we talked, you and I, about it early, in the early goings right here on this show about him playing out of position was hurting him at the plate. 
lo and behold, I was right. Once Torres was moved back to his regular MLB position of second baseman, he committed just one error in just those, it was 19 games. And in those 19 games, he was able to raise the following offensive metrics by these numbers. Are you ready? As a second baseman, Glaber Torres went up in the four off me- offensive metrics I quickly looked at today. He went up point, uh, just about 50 points in batting average, 50 points in on-base percentage, 91 points in slugging percentage, and his on-base percentage skyrocketed 139 points in 19 games, everybody. To me, this makes him the perfect trade candidate, sell high. The Yankees have a backload of second basemen, including DJ LeMayu, who has five full years remaining on his contract. So you trade Torres for a quality starting pitcher, and you go out and you get yourself a high-quality shortstop. For the New York Yankees, is it going to be Seager, Correa, Story, Simeon, or Bias? And Corey Seager, I think, is at the top of the Yankees list, or should be, and I think he is the front runner. I mean, I read an article from Buster Only this morning about all of the potential candidates, and he talked about a multitude of different people that he talked to, from front office people down to scouts, and got a read on them all. And Corey Seager literally checks all of the Yankees' boxes. And he's the only left-handed bat among all of the free agent shortstops. He's got big market experience. He's got a winning pedigree. I mean, et cetera, et cetera. Go back to the open. I talked about it there. And again, remember how last week you and I talked about signing a shortstop to a long-term deal and how that could potentially box out Anthony Volpe? And by the way, scouts are saying he's exactly what I've been saying that the Yankees need. Seager is the perfect candidate. Yeah, well, in the article, only writes, after speaking with many different people in baseball, that Seager is destined to be moved to another position sooner rather than later. Well, doesn't that seem to match up perfectly with Anthony Volpe's MLB arrival in the spring of 2023, if all goes according to plan? Listen, I'm not willing to sign my name just yet to any potential free agent shortstops. I mean, not until that collective bargaining agreement is settled and agreed to. That's really when this free agent period is going to get cooking. But Corey Seager seems like he's exactly what the New York Yankees would be looking for. All right, 877-337-6666 in the order that you guys called. Sal in Brooklyn, you're up next on The Fan. Oh, hey, Danielle. Thank you for taking my call. Of course, Sal. Thanks for making it. Thank you. Um, I got something on the the Mets. I know the topic says I want to talk about the Giants, but I want to talk about the Mets right now. Yeah, whatever. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, so I got something on the Mets first. Um, you know, I think it was yesterday I was listening to Sports Radio 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Okay. Adam the Bull and uh, Dustin Fox were on. They were talking about... Wait, the- Sal, so let me just stop you right there. I love that you do that. And I do the same thing. I, I listen to different market radios just to get a feel for what they're saying about their own teams. Yeah. I love that. Good for you. Know, you. Adam, was, Adam the Bull used to be on The Fan in New York. Yes. I know he used to talk a lot about the Mets, but I got a question about the Mets. Who do you think is going to be the next Mets manager? I looked it up yesterday. Mm-hmm. They're saying that Pat Murphy is going to be the next one. They're saying maybe Ron Washington, maybe Eduardo Perez, maybe Bruce Bochy. Now, I, I know it's not going to be Bruce Bochy because, listen, because he retired from the Giants three years ago. I think Pat Murphy is going to be the next manager. What do you think, Danielle? Well, I, well, Bochy, according to Disha from uh, from the New York Daily News, he Bochy yeah. would be part of a deal with, with – Right. who they're going to be bringing over. I think that's okay. a good combination, you know? So the Mets apparently have not reached out to to the Giants, I mean, to uh, to any of them in, involved in what I just said, but why yeah. not, you know? 
Yes, because I listened to Disha Dozar today with Jr. who was on like earlier. Yeah, and he, he didn't ask her that, about it, right? Or did he? Uh, he asked her who's going to be the Mets manager, and they're saying that Pat Murphy's going to be. I think Pat Murphy will be. They're saying that he might be next year, the Brewers hitting coach. What do you think? I don't know. And Sal, that's, that's a good question, and I think it's a question that I think everybody is wondering the answer to, including, you know, I don't know if the Mets are, are keeping this clearly close to the vest. No one really knows much of anything. I mean, really, seriously. So to come on here and say, this is who it's going to be, like, no one knows. You know, nobody knows. I could tell you the qualifications I'd be looking for if I were the Mets. And before they even pick a manager, they need a president of baseball operations first. So who I would be looking for for, for both positions and qualifications would be somebody with big market um experience, someone that comes from a winning pedigree and, and knows how to win, right? You don't want any first-time manager especially in there. So that, that to me, crosses off Carlos Beltran from the, from the jump, okay? Um, you want someone that has a winning pedigree, who comes from a big market, who's well-respected among the league, in the league. And since the Mets got turned down the first, what, four times? I mean, maybe they're going to take... Uh, Brian Sabian to the dance, to the prom, if you will. He'd be a good date. He'd be great. He kind of fits all of those qualifications. And he started from a scout to a guy that was in executive vice president of baseball operations. So he's got the experience. If I'm picking, and if and apparently, according to Disha, Disha Thosar, that is, they haven't reached out to him yet. He said he would move in a, to New York in a heartbeat. If given the chance, what are the Mets waiting for? He checks all the boxes in the early goings without knowing any of the other names sort of kind of involved. Really? I like that choice. Bobby in Bridgeport, you're up next on the fan. Hey, Danielle, how are you? I'm great, Bobby. How are you? I'm well. Um, thanks so much. I, I, you know, I originally called in to talk about hockey, but I don't know how much of you're a hockey fan. Oh, I mean, listen. I, I teach. Uh, I work a full time job, and there's only so many games I can watch, honestly. But you know what I mean. If this was full time, I'd be way more in tune with the hockey. But I am wearing a devil sweatshirt right now. Ah, oh, you're killing me. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big Islander fan. Um, I'm up here in Bridgeport, where yeah. uh, you know the Islanders uh, have their minor league team, and yes. um, I'm concerned about this year because you know now it's opening up to a full schedule and um you know we got some players a little bit older and we got some young guys and stuff but now we're playing a full 82 game schedule and we're going to be playing out in the west coast right we're play in the midwest so um i was i was inspired by them beating uh the blackhawks like four to one the mm-hmm. other night mm-hmm. but um they're going to face some stiff competition this year yeah and I think, and, and I think that's kind of the takeaway too from last year too. I mean, they they played within their own division last year. They beat up on the right. Devils. They beat right. up on the on all these Penguins. You know, all these the Flyers, the Blue Jackets, and now and that, and they came up and they were looking like really good. So was that a false indication of how good that team actually is? Now um, that this has right. been opening up to all of the the, the stiffer competition, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think it's too yeah. early to see. They've played four games. It's a full a false positive, but uh, and you know you can't you know the season can't be thrown away just after a couple of games. Right. But um, they're not even going to be home in the new building until November twentieth. I know that's kind of weird, isn't that weird? I wouldn't like crazy. that. Yeah, it's crazy. They're still building the parking lot. Yeah, 
I know. That, that, that's <laughs> You would think that they would want to get that done and have them have a home, you know, when the season yeah. starts. And it's, it's I know, it, it's a little, it's a little much. It's a, it's a little weird, um, but um, I wanted to welcome you to WFAN. I've been listening to it for 30 years, and you're a very exciting voice to listen to on every Saturday or when you're available. So um, I wish you great luck. Thanks, Bobby. I appreciate that. And thanks for picking up the phone and making the call. Appreciate that. Uh, let's go. Yeah, we could probably do this real quick. Let's go in the order that you guys call. Mike in uh, Cornwall. You're up next on the fan. Hi, how are you? What's up, Mike? I hope you're ever... Not much. I'm I'm a Mets fan. Um, but when you guys are talking about shortstop for the future, I don't see why you don't give Volpe a chance, especially with his age. Right. It's not that I'm not giving Volpe a chance. He's not due yet. No, not you. Not you. Not oh. you. He, not you. What I'm saying is, you look at, and I'm not comparing him to Derek Jeter. No. But you look at their career paths. They're cold-weather guys. They're on the East Coast. You know, they're used to the mentality that, you know, New Yorkers, New Jerseyans have. I mean, Jeter was born in the same hospital as my daughter, but I know he's in Michigan. Mm-hmm. But Volpe's been around high-profile his whole life, right. especially playing at Del Barton with Lighter's son. Right. So I don't see why – I think instead of spending $200 million or 150 on on a shortstop, let's, let's see what the kids, you know, see his mental worth. Yeah, and I agree with you. But but then the question is there, Mike, who's playing shortstop next year for the for the Yankees? Volpe. No, he's up. not he's not due yet. No, 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 no. He's not due. He's not due to at least twenty twenty three. At least. I see. Uh, see, that's what I that I you know what I would try to I would test the kid. But but you look at the other guys, Peraza and Smith, you know, Smith is older. I wouldn't touch him. Um but give Volpe a chance. Bring him up to the you know, the big league spring training and uh and see where his medal is, you know? Sure, but if he fails see the test, he'll... then who's going to be your shortstop? That's the, the problem. One, um... that's, Mike, that's the problem. That's a big gamble yeah. there, Mike. Who, who's it going to be? Tell me. Give me a name. If it's not Volpe, oh. if he fails the test in spring training. The third baseman. That... Urshela? You're going to ride with Urshela yeah. the entire season at shortstop? Well, like I said, I'm a Mets fan, but I want to give Volpe a chance. I want, of course. I want to see the kid. Me too. I want to see the kid, uh, you know? Yes. I do too, Mike, and thanks for the call there. Um, I, I do too. I am very excited about Anthony Volpe. He, he's the number one prospect in the New York Yankees organization. Yes. I'm excited to see him, but he's not due until at least 2023. And herein lies the problem. What do you do at shortstop for the time being? Is it Urshela? Then who's playing third base? Odor? No. No. Not Odor. He's not an everyday third baseman. So, listen, I'm very excited for Anthony Volpe. I can't wait to see him on the Yankees playing shortstop for the New York Yankees, a local kid, Italian-American kid, everything. But you run the risk then of bringing him up too early, exposing him too early, and he's, he's not ready for it. And then what happens? You can't gamble on that. You just can't. Because... Where he is now, an A-plus ball, and where he's going to be, an MLB level, not comparable. The pitching is not comparable. Fielding might be similar, but the pitching, not close. Erica Herskowitz with an update coming your way now. 
$1,000 rebates plus additional savings. Go now to New Jersey's homegrown heating experts, EdisonHVAC.com. That's EdisonHVAC.com. If you're looking for a pre-owned Mercedes-Benz, visit Mercedes-Benz of Edison. They don't sell off-brands, only Mercedes-Benz vehicles that they can warranty and certify to the highest standard, the Ray Katina standard. Schedule a test drive at Mercedes-Benz of Edison. Tell Doug Wells, he's the GM, that Carton sent you. Get stylish, durable flooring for your home that will last a lifetime. And get it installed with help from Lowe's. Get Stainmaster Pet Protect Carpet starting at just $199 per square foot. And Pergo Wet Protect Laminate starting at $249 per square foot. Both with limited lifetime warranties. Order now, only at Lowe's. Home to any budget, home to any possibility. Install available in-store only and through independent contractors. See Lowe's.com for details and licensing. U.S. only. See Lowe's.com product detail page for more warranty information. Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. So a friend told me about Mr. Clean Magic Eraser and his exact words were, it changed my life. I used to spend a ridiculous amount of time trying to remove tomato sauce from inside our microwave and soap scum off the bathtub. It's like seriously magic and my secret weapon for cleaning the kitchen, bathroom, doors and walls, and even keeping my sneakers clean. Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. Greatest invention ever. Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. The unicorn of cleaning. Creamy nut butter makes it delightfully sweet. Roasted nuts make it perfectly salty. Get two great tastes in one delicious bar. Enjoy a Nature Valley sweet and salty nut bar today. WFAN and WFAN-FM and HD1, New York. An Odyssey station. WFAN Sports Flash. Powered by Superbooks, now open with better odds and favorable prices. Good evening at 6.01. I'm Erica Herskowitz, and this report is brought to you by H.L. Gross Jewelers. Shop H.L. Gross in Garden City or at hlgross.com. Big time come from behind victory for the Rangers today as they overcame a 2-0 deficit. They scored three goals in a span of three minutes and 20 seconds in the third period and went on to beat the Senators in Ottawa 3-2. Chris Kreider scored a couple of goals. Ryan Lindgren, also Italian, and Alexander Gurgiev stopped 26 shots as the Blue Shirts pick up a fourth straight win. Tonight, the Devils host the Sabres. The Islanders visit the Coyotes. The Knicks and Nets are off, but it's do or die for the Dodgers. They try to stave off elimination tonight when they visit the Braves for Game 6 of the NLCS. The Braves up 3-2 in the series. Send Ian Anderson to the mound to face Walker Bueller. Bueller starting instead of Max Scherzer, who was unable to go, complaining of a dead arm after Game 2. The winner will play the Astros in the World Series. And in the longest game in college football history, Illinois shocked 7th-ranked Penn State in nine overtimes. 20 to 18. Locally, 16th ranked Wake Forest beat Army 70 56. With Sports Flashes at the top of the hour, I'm Erica Herskowitz. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, Hey Siri, play WFAN. Danielle McCartney, Sports Radio. In the 6 p.m. hour of Danielle at dinner time or Danielle in drive time, whatever you want to call it, I'm Danielle McCartan. I'll be with you until 9 p.m. tonight. And as I sit here and I refresh the fundraising page set up by the RWJ Barnabas Health, today I ran the 5K. You guys know that. I'm sitting here in a devil sweatshirt. Guess what? We were just $210 away from our fourth and final goal of $1,000. And Joe and Jenny Marinaro 
Put us put us at that mark. So Joe and Jenny Marino, thank you so much for your for your generous donation to the cause. Listen, this is a website set up through the hospital. There is no middleman cause. I'm not seeing a dime out of it. And uh, we, all of us together, have raised one thousand dollars. So round of applause to everybody that donated, to shared, and and uh, for me for running it. <laughs> no, just kidding. That was uh, it, it was um. I've never run that far in my life in one. I think maybe, no, no. I think I ran like a 5K on a treadmill once or twice. But this was definitely the first time outside doing it. That's for sure. So Joe and Jenny Marino have put us at $1,000. You can exceed it. If you guys still want to give, you can exceed it. That for sure, yes. But we have reached the $1,000. Amazing. That is amazing. When I set this up, I was like, all right. My first goal was $250. I was like, you know what? Just hope to get $250. And uh, $1,000 later. For the 35,000 healthcare workers, healthcare heroes, we've reached it. $1,000. Good job, everybody. And as you've heard, the Steve Summers, a WFN original, will be wrapping up his full-time run here at the fan sometimes this fall. You know, Odyssey Senior Vice President Chris Oliviero said to the New York Post, he said, Summers is without a doubt one of the most important building blocks in the history of the fan. Steve and the fan have become stars together in this town. The voice, the wit, the humor... The catchphrases are all iconic. Now we have to convince him to give us all, especially the listeners, and and everybody that works here too, a chance to celebrate him because he is worthy of the accolades. After 34 years, a talent that transcends generations, absolutely, and I can't wait. So I have formally put myself in consideration for a full-time position. I got my fingers crossed on both hands. But all this news got me thinking the other day while I was driving. That age-old Mount Rushmore question. Who would be on WFAN's Mount Rushmore? This is me driving the other day thinking about this. Remember, history students, Mount Rushmore only has four heads carved into it. Four. That's it. Not more than four. And not less. So here's what I've come up with. From left to right on my WFAN Mount Rushmore. Number one, the architect, Mark Charnoff. Duh. Obviously. Obviously, and he's going to be right there on the left, prime spot. Then I'd have in the middle, like right in the middle, I guess heads number two and three. I'd put Mike Francesa and Chris Russo. I mean, love them or hate them. These two guys helped to shape the sound of sports in New York and and across the country, really. Okay. Uh, Okay. (laughs) And number four, on the far right side, of course, sandwiching in... You know, Mike Francesa and Chris Russo with Mark Turnoff. Of course, him here, you there, Steve Summers. I mean, that would be mine. Turnoff, Francesa, Russo, Summers. All of these four people shape New York sports radio, sports radio in general, into what it is today. So how did I do? Who would be on yours? And by the way, if you're pretty handy and you've got nothing to do, maybe you want to, someone make me a cool graphic of that and tweet it to me at CoachMCCARTAN. I'll retweet it if you do. All right, and we are saying goodbye to Matt Casey. He is heading out. Great job, Matt. And we are saying hello to Emmanuel Berbari. He is now behind the glass through the rest of the show tonight, so give him a call, 877-337-6666. And I'm going to take you guys in the order that you guys called. Let's go, Frank, in Mineola. You're up next on The Fan. How you doing, Danielle? What's up, Frank? Um, going back to the thing with the Mets. Sure. I'm a Mets fan, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I honestly don't understand how this is taking – this long. Now, I understand everything's, you know, probably on the hush 
Now, first of all, the, the first mistake was being interested in guys that you knew never wanted to come here. Now, well, wait, you're I, hearing I Brian know. Fabian. I don't know. Now you're hearing Brian Fabian w- will be here. What, what's the problem? Listen, the guy's got three Frank, World Series. Frank, one second. Let me pause. I'm not going to keep you on here, but let me, let me yeah. ask you this. Uh, Theo Epstein. If he wasn't interested in taking the job, then why would he take the? Why would he go on the interview? Because I listen. The, the rumor is Theo Epstein wants part of an ownership of a team. He's not. Steve Cohen is not going to hand Theo Epstein ownership of the team. That's not you know. And I understand that, but also uh, David Stearns. David Stearns couldn't couldn't. Wouldn't, wasn't allowed to interview last year and basically told you last year, I'm not interested. Why would he be interested this year? But, so but, I, then, but, point, but, Danielle, but why would Theo Epstein go on an interview if he wasn't interested at all? If he had no interest, okay, like so you then, said, if he, if he had no interest, like you said, he would, like Billy Bean, he would not have even gone on the interview. But Danielle, he, he obviously wanted ownership stake in the team. Okay, well, that's another thing. Right? But he was interested. So wh- why should Steve Cohen... Give him ownerships. He doesn't have to. Something that he just bought. But if he really wanted him that bad, but if if he really wanted him that bad, he would have given him a sliver. I don't know how much he wanted, or if that's even what he wanted. But okay, Danielle, my point just just Mm -hmm. agree or not agree. Mm -hmm. What what are they waiting for? Not to hire Brian Sabian. I mean, what's wrong with him? I don't know. Nothing. Nothing is wrong with him. They should have been on the. He he should be here in New York now. Yes. And you have a manager that's going to come with him. Yes. A Hall of Fame manager I know. coming with him. I know. What's the problem? I don't know. Andy Alderson, like, I mean, uh, you know, you're hearing rumors that people don't want to work with Sandy in the, in the background. I mean, <sighs> I know. it's almost November. I know. It's almost November. you got to formulate a plan now. Who are you going to keep? Who are you going to let go? Who are you going to go after a free agency? Yes. That doesn't happen in a week. Right. I know. And I'm with you. I mean, this guy should already be here in New York meeting with them. Yes. And and this is what's frustrating me as a Mets fan. You knew in September yes. that you needed an entire front office. You went after guys that you knew were not coming here. Well. I mean. Frank, I, I get you know, it. I, the, I, winter, the winter I, meetings are December 5th. Yeah, December I know. 5th. I know. T- clock's ticking. I-, I know there, Frank, and I understand the frustration. I do. And and this whole thing kind of like, if I'm if I'm looking at this objectively, because that's how I always try to do things. I look at things very objectively, and I look at the the Mets that that are were turned down by a car dealership owner, a former player, but still. I mean, what is going on there in New York? Is is it that Sandy Alderson? Uh, I mean, this is all pure speculation because no one knows. But is it? Is it that Sandy Alderson wants a say in everything? Is it that Steve Cohen wants to have a say in everything? Is it not going to be an autonomous position given out to, to the candidate? There are so many questions that have not been answered. And it begs the question, what's taking so long? Why have they not flown him out there? He said he's willing to do it. Why haven't they done it already? Guy won three World Series in five years with the San Francisco Giants as a general manager. He started as a scout, and he worked his way up. He's a perfect candidate for the New York Mets, and he said he was going to do it. What's taking so long? I don't know. That, that's the frustration. I, I get it. I know, and I wish I had an answer. So, Steve Cohen, if you're listening, maybe you are, 
What is taking so long? Can you please answer that question? You can call us at 877-337-6666, or you could tweet me, because you're good at that. At Coach, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, what is taking so long to get him here? Come on. Back to the calls. 877-337-6666. Ed in Mohegan, you're up on the fan. Hey, how's it going? Great, how are you? I called about, I'm doing awesome, man. I was going to call about, I want to tell you about the Yankees, but I'll give you my Mount Rushmore because you asked. Tell me, yeah. Definitely definitely on board with Mike and Chris. Mm -hmm. I think you have to put Tony Page. Because he's kind of like the Allison Steele. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you're familiar with the Nightbird from from the old days at K-Rock, but he was like the, you know, how many nights I've driven home in the middle of the morning mm-hmm. and had Tony Page on. It's not often, yeah. but it was just such a soothing, just such a staple. Yeah. And the fourth one is kind of like my basement Bertha, if you're familiar with Bill Gallo from the Daily News, is Joe Beningo. He's like the average guy, like the guy that's like, <laughs> yeah. like the, the Cinderella story. Yeah, yeah. I really think he should be part of that. So you're leaving um, off Summers and Churnoff, huh? Or are you, are you going to start building? It's not that I'm leaving them off. I can only pick four. I yeah. Mean, I love Summers. I love Ch- They're all great. I mean. Oh, no. Ed. Ed. That's for me, personally. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. Unless you start drilling and, and making two more heads, and we can we can accommodate all of them, I guess. Oh, I could give you all. There's plenty of them. Yeah, yeah. You know? A couple years, it might be you. You never know. Hey, we'll see what happens. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate listen, it. Listen, Yankees. Yeah. Um, listen. Had the Yankees known about Cole and the sticky ball, because you think about it, four of those losses or four wins, that's an eight-game swing. Mm -hmm. You know, I think their lineup is fine. I agree Sanchez has to go. They need a good catcher. You don't don't need somebody with a lot of pop. But like in football, I think teams are beginning to realize you don't need a high-priced running back. Right. Well, Ravens had three touchdowns from three guys, three different guys, not named LeVar uh, Jackson. Right. Uh, Lamar Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the Cleveland the other night with the Ernest Thomas. I mean, you don't need that. You have a good line. You could pretty much put any decent athlete in there and get yes. results. Mm-hmm. With the Yankees, I think you you can equate that with the bullpen. You need bullpen help. Watching the playoffs now, the Yankees were successful in the late nineties because of Nelson and Stanton. U.S. U.S. Yankee fans. Which Stanton is the most important in Yankee history? It's Mike Stanton, not Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> Mike Stanton and Jeff Nelson were huge those years. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Mariano and Wetland. But I think bullpens are just so important. They really are. And I think that teams have to start investing a lot more money in them, in good players. Because look at, look at what's happened with, uh, uh, with the dead arm. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Max Scherzer? Uh, with, with the Dodgers. Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer. I mean, a dead arm in the NLCS? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. If you're legitimately hurt, that's fine. I get it, you know, but come on. But that does that qualify you, you, as you legitimately have... hurt, though? I don't know. I, I mean, don't know. Who knows what the reason is? But, I mean, you wouldn't – like, Tom Brady would never have dead arm in, 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 in the uh, in, in the playoffs, ever. I mean, yeah, well, Drew Brees played with players. how many broken ribs and stuff. I know. I get it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Brees, Roethlisberger, mm-hmm. Eli. Yeah. I mean, how much are New York fans missing Eli? I yeah. mean, the guy was like a, a rock, you know? Yeah. No, never got hurt. Never got hurt. Well, my you dad know? always so, says uh, that he, he always avoided contact before it happened. He always took a dive. Eli took a dive, my dad always says, <laughs> before he avoided that. You know what? But he was smart. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, he had results. He's a great quarterback, Hall of Famer. I mean, I from other, 
he's the Derek Cheater of the of the of, of the NFL in New York. Yeah, he really is. And add Henrik Lundqvist to that list. He's the he's the Derek Cheater and the Eli Manning of the NHL in New York. Oh, I wish, I, I, but the one thing you did say the, the lineup is fine. I don't know about that. The lineup of this new New York Yankees team is is not fine. Uh, they showed it to you. It was exposed. It always gets exposed against good pitching. Always, the you know, in the postseason, the pitching gets amplified. The pitching levels up a little bit, and the Yankees lineup really can't handle it. I mean, Edwin Encarnacion, remember he he hit like point zero six eight in in a, in a postseason series. Are you kidding me? I could hit better than that. I bet you I could. So this lineup has has a ways to go, I think. And the way you do it is you start trading pieces off and getting guys that make contact with the ball, spray the ball all over the field, and uh, and that's how you do it. And you get rid of these feast or famine guys. And um, before the Mets can even get to that part, they have to name a president of baseball ops. So who's it going to be? Theo Epstein and Steve Cohen came to a mutual understanding that it just wasn't the right opportunity. Then Billy Bean withdrew his name from consideration. In the Mets front office search. And then the Brewers denied the Mets request to interview David Stearns. But the biggest kicker of them all, Dorian Boyland, who now owns multiple car dealerships, has no interest in the job to run the Mets front office. So, who should it be? 877-337-6666. To Danielle at dusk. I love the alliteration. It's actually it just turned around. It's it's kind of dark out. <laughs> Danielle in the dark. I don't know. Welcome back. I'm Danielle McCartan with you till 9 p.m. tonight here on the fan in New York City. We were just talking about who is going to take over um, the Mets president of baseball ops. I mean, we've got a, a smattering of things going on tonight. Yankees, Cashman, Boone, Yankee lineup. Mets, and then we're you know going to hopefully transition a little bit later into some Giants and Jets. I do have my picks coming coming up for you guys, and we do have Amy Dash, Odyssey's legal insider, coming up at eight twenty with a live call in. Theo Epstein, Billy Bean, David Stearns, and car dealership owner and former player Dorian Boylan. What do all those names have in common? They all want no part of the Mets baseball operations job. So. It's hard for me to imagine, and I understand the exasperation among Mets fans because it's hard for me to imagine someone who would not want to take the job. It's mega market New York City. The best pitcher in baseball is under contract on your roster, and it's a roster which is understood to have a ton of turnover between now and opening day. Oh, and just sprinkle in the, the richest owner in all of baseball in Steve Cohen. Like, if it's me going for that job, those are the things that I would be looking for. A virtually unlimited amount of cash to spend on a huge stage and the ability to make the product on the field mine. Those are all things that I know I would be asking for. So I'm still trying to figure out who could it possibly be. I'm telling you, there's something going on there and no one publicly knows what it is. What's your guess? Because... The Mets are down to what? Their, their fifth choice for president of baseball ops? Come on. A car salesman turned them down. And yes, I know that Billy Bean spoke publicly and said, there's a quote, creating chaos in my children's lives for my own ambition seems like a selfish thing to do. All right. They're about 13 years old. I mean, I guess I get it. 
The parents move jobs all the time for for opportunity. I don't know. Maybe it's just a nice way to say no. And I've got a, a tweet from uh, David J. Sweet, and he tagged me and Steve Cohen, and he said, Hey, Steve Cohen, how about Brian Sabian and Bruce Bochy? Thanks. Thanks. So I, I tweeted back, and I said, Thanks for taking the initiative on that one there, David. Sabian and Bochy, are they en route to NYC as we speak, Steve Cohen? They should be. They better be. Because those, Sabian said he'd be willing to do it. He's won three World Series in five years with the Giants, the San Francisco Giants. Why is he not already here on a private jet, Steve Cohen? Come on. Because before the Mets can even make any sort of moves, uh, they're going to need some people in place, including as president of baseball ops and a manager. And, you know, Noah Syndergaard, I'm expecting to accept a qualifying offer, but maybe, maybe, if you're a fan of Michael Conforto and, and there's a plan in place and maybe he buys back in to prove himself for one more year and up his value in free agency, then you get him on a on a, on a good deal too. I don't know. Just kind of thinking out loud here. Um, but I got a question from uh, David Madison on Twitter. He said, what does it tell you about the Mets organization when the top names in baseball turn down the GM job? Will it really matter who they decide to hire? People do not want to touch this one with a 10-foot pole. And that is the question. My question to you guys, yes, that's a great observation, is why not? 877-337-6666. Emmanuel standing by. To Lou in Astoria, we go. You're up on the fan, Lou. Daniel, how are you? Great, Lou. How are you? Before I go to the Yankees, quickly yeah. on the Mets, mm-hmm. I think that I... I don't know what you're thinking, but uh, you think that Sandy's in the way that uh, people want him out before they come and talk to the... You would think the, that's what it's got to be, right? You know what I'm saying? Because he's very close to the owner. Mm-hmm. And I believe that, uh, you know, people that want to come over, they really don't don't want to be with him. I think that uh, he's too much in charge. And they want to make it their own. That's what I would want to do. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? They want to yeah. bring their own coaches. They want to bring their own players, you know? Right. With this guy, you have to go through him and then to the owner. Right. The owner got plenty of money. He he has to bring good players to to mess with his team. So they they you know the guys like Conforto they have protection. But anyway, about the Yankees, mm-hmm. I agree with you a hundred percent. Everything we we about just about the same how the team should be. Uh, Constructed, hey, but anyway, Lou, that's a first. We never agree on anything, Lou. No, come on, <laughs> stop, stop. You, you very, you know, you very realistic. But I tell you what, I know that you think about lefty. I don't care about lefty hitting mm-hmm. as long as you get a a good right hander. I mean, if you're going to get somebody like like Mike Trout, <laughs> you don't have to be a lefty. But anyway, well, right. You know what I'm saying? But let me, you know what I'm trying to say. The Yankees shortstop should be Marcus Simeon. Okay, he's a second baseman from from the from the Blue Jays, a Yankee killer. Will make us a better team and make them lesser, and you know they wouldn't be as good. Also, I can use Stanley Marte and trade Glaber Torres, Boy plus Chapman to Cincinnati. Remember, they're going to have the the, the DH also, you and they're going to need a first baseman for the future. Yeah, for you Luis hope. Castillo. Okay, get rid of Odor, mm-hmm. keep Wade as an infielder replacement, and bring up Greg Allen as an as an outfielder utility. Hicks. I will keep him in the bench. He's a switch hitter. And yeah, but I, the thing is, you're paying him $70 million. You said keep him on the bench. They're not going to. They, they can't. Uh, 
I know. Delia, we, 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 we got to win, Delia. When I go to the, to the stadium, I spend 12 hours for a beer. I Come know. On, you know what I'm saying? I do know that. I yeah. mean, you know, a hot dog. I mean, I got six kids, you know? Mm-hmm. But but let me let me put it this way, okay? Uh, you're going to laugh at this, and you might not think that, I, that I'm crazy. But you think that they signed Aaron Boone for three years, and he knows the game, okay? Yeah. He's a fat, this his family, when he was a child. I mean, he knows the game in, inside and out. Is he going to be the replacement for our man, the GM, when he doesn't do oh, well no. in his Aspire, no. uh, Cashman? No, please no. I mean, I know you're going to laugh at it, but I just want to throw that out there. No. They gave him three years. I mean, listen, maybe maybe he, if we let him do his game, his, his baseball uh, uh, intelligence, maybe we could be a better team. I, I just want to throw out there. You take care. Yeah, thanks, Lou. I appreciate that. And the one thing I would say about Simeon is uh, uh, he – a lot, according to Buster, only in the article that he he wrote, a lot of people he said there is a perception that he is a much better second baseman, reinforced by how well he played there for Toronto. If his secondary position is going to be second base, like the Yankees don't need that. That is again adding to the surplus at second base. But I'm with you, Odor. Fine, go. That's fine if he leaves. I just don't think, and I like the pull up of Greg Allen. Yes, for sure. I almost want to say, like, Velasquez, I, th- I think he'd be a great trade piece because you have Volpe coming. You're probably going to sign a shortstop. Why don't you go out and, and trade Velasquez? And then here's the thing. Oh, Yankee fans are oh, looking at the radio like, oh, what does she know? Listen, these Yankee teams, and especially under Cashman, have been holding on to their prospects for so long they've become rotten. Clint Frazier, Miguel and Duhar. I mean, really. Velasquez is a good player. He he's, he's fits what the Yankees need, the mold that the Yankees need. Unfortunately, he's a shortstop. Unfortunately, there's this kid named Anthony Volpe coming. Trade him while you can. Flip him for pitching. Why don't you? Come on. So the one thing I would say about Simeon is he'd be like kind of like a another second baseman in the room, sort of, kind of. But he's durable. I mean, he's played. He played in every single game in 2021. That is unheard of. That is like the anti-Yankee as a, as of recent. So, you know, we'll see. And I'd have to look at again. This is very, very preliminarily. I'd have to look at the, his his market value and compare them all and, and all that. But for me, I'm still on in on Corey Seager. I am. I am. And and someone on Twitter, I forget who it was, said to me, "Oh well, um, he he said he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't switch." Uh, David Sukinick, he said, uh, "You know, maybe he wouldn't want to switch from uh, shortstop to a different position." Well, the one thing I would say to that the only buddy, the only person that loves Kanye West more than Kanye West is Alex Rodriguez. Loving Alex Rodriguez, okay? He switched to accommodate Derek Jeter. He switched to third base, and again, guess what? Won a World Series with them. So, you know what I mean? Okay, Dave in Westchester, you're up next on the fan. Hey, what's going on? What's up, Dave? Dave, how you been? Long time no see. How's everything going? Good, good. How are you? Not too bad. I'm going to change your mind. First of all, I'm glad to see that you're throwing your hat in the ring for Steve uh, Steve's spot. Thank you. I'm gl- I think, you know what? It was. He made my day right now. Oh, I called all my buddies and I told them that you were on the radio. Yeah. Because I love the music. You know where you you produce. It's great. Thank you. I'm going to change your mind about Cashman. I'm okay. going to tell you why. Let's see. Tell me. I'm a teacher like you. Mm-hmm. Now, if you prepare your students 
you know, with the lesson plans to study. Mm-hmm. And if they fail and you do whatever you can, and all the parents complain, listen, we want Danielle fired. She's not doing her job. It's doing her. That's not that's not your job for them to pass. Hmm. Your job is to prepare them. So I think Cashman is preparing them to pass and give them all the tools, but they're not just following through. All right, I'm going to counter that so, with an education thing, right? So that's assuming, how do I say this? That that obviously you and I, we prepare our students the best possible way, right? But, right. Maybe what what I think is the best possible way is is the is different than what you think is the best possible way. What is it? Maybe Brian Cashman is not doing it the right way. If that makes sense, they're putting the players on the field. They're putting they're putting the product on the field. Um, but I think the philosophy the, 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 is wrong. That's it. I just think the philosophy is wrong. Like he's got these feast or famine hitters. Everybody's complaining okay. about the roster being too right handed. Okay. He's the one you're who the put new, it together that way. New, then yeah, you're the new Met GM. What's your philosophy? My okay. If I'm the new Met GM, ooh, I hope Steve Cohen's listening. <laughs> hey, listen, let me tell you something. Don't laugh. I think you you got the baseball knowledge. You listen to your dad growing up. You you know the game. Yeah. And I wouldn't be wasting my time calling and talking sports with you. But what would you do? You're the new. Congratulations, Danielle. You're not at the fan no more. You're uh, you're at you're you're the you're new. Receiver way. What, what does huh? she know about baseball? Yeah. What What would you do? Well, one, my my dad never coached. Actually, he he stayed away. He stayed he stayed in the stands, which I always appreciated that. And I always like people like that that have families that just kind of. About, I was talking about the life lessons. You no, paid no, I know, I know. So what the first move I would do if I were the Mets? What would my philosophy be? Uh, my philosophy would be to surround or, or, or one. I guess number one would be. To put together a team that has sort of like a, a small ball approach with a couple big boppers. I mean, I'm, I would, I'm keeping Alonzo. I'm keeping Dom Smith because I'm thinking there's going to be a DH. But I would also surround it like with, with them with like Brandon Nimmo types. That's what I would do. Guys that can hit situationally. Guys that can go first to third, etc. Then I would also fill out my, my starting pitching staff. Put an emphasis back on the starting pitching staff because you're paying them so much damn money. Uh, uh, of guys that can pitch deep into games. I'm talking like six, seven innings every time they're out. I would also make sure I have a reliable closer. Those are three things. And um, I think that would be a pretty good baseball team. All right, listen, congratulations. You're hired. You start on Monday. Yes. All right, let me go. <laughs> I got to give I gotta give school 60 days notice, though. So. <laughs> not, listen, God bless you. I'm going to light a candle for you tomorrow. When I see you again, you know who I am. You owe me a dollar for the candle. Okay. I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to tell my prayer warriors out there to pray for you to get that job because you know what? I don't care how much experience they're going to look for a guy with 30 years or 40 years. Oh, the reason why nobody wants to go to um to the Mets, and I'll tell you why. Why? The same reason why I don't take a job that I have to travel 10 days out of the month. They're comfortable. Yeah. They don't want to deal with a micromanager. I don't want to deal you know, I, what I'm doing now, you know what I do. I love it. Yeah. Can I be making more, you know, working in the city? Absolutely, yes. But you know what? So, you know, if you got your routine going, that's why Billy Dean said, you know, I'm fine. But he didn't close the door. He left the door open. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. Maybe he's like, lobbying he owns, for more cash. He owns, he owns 1% of the, of the A's. Right. Well, where's he going? Right, exactly. Listen, thank you, thank you for taking my call. You know what? Keep the good work up. And, uh... You know, all the best to Steve, and I don't blame him. He, he doesn't want all that, you know, hoopla-la. But uh, I think he'd be a great fit for that job. And, and uh, the best to you and your family. Happy holidays. I'm going to speak to you again, okay? All right. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. We'll talk soon, I'm sure. Um, maybe to switch gears a little bit, Jets prediction. How about that? New York Jets prediction coming up. New York Jets at the New England Patriots tomorrow, 1 p.m. 
I'll give you my philosophy on this game. You guys can hang on. I'll take your calls. 877-337-6666. My Jets pick coming up next. Carton before midnight here on the Fed. It is 6.43 and 43 seconds exactly here in New York City. I'm with you till 9 p.m. on your radio waves. And we are on the eve of Sunday football. It's football Sunday, almost. We're a few hours away from football Sunday. We're taking your calls. Emmanuel's taking your calls at 877-337-6666. If you're on hold, hang there. I got to give my Jets prediction, right, before anybody says, oh, you know, you didn't put it on. Here it is. Mac Jones coming off a game against the Cowboys with a 119 rating, two touchdowns, and an interception. Zach Wilson is coming off a bye week. A bad performance the week before that. As far as first-round picks go, right now, Mac Jones is looking much better. He's got three more touchdown passes and three less interceptions than Zach Wilson. So that culminates in a quarterback rating that's 27 points higher for Jones over Wilson. When you look at this Jets offense, let's look at this. The slow starts are absolutely freaking brutal. I don't know if there's any other way to say it. I mean, it's not a good thing to have your rookie quarterback in situations where he's going to be playing from behind the whole entire game. And the Jets have done it often. You got Robert Salas saying at the very beginning of the bye week, we have to start faster. And I'm putting that on me to try to figure this out over the next week. Okay, coach, Here's what we're going to see what you and your rookie offensive coordinator figure out for your rookie quarterback because here's what I would do. I would say, you know what, LaFleur, Mr. LaFleur, you're no longer going to be calling plays from the sidelines. You're going to go put your butt up in that sky booth and you're going to watch what's open on the field from there because as everybody knows, it's been to a football game in their lives, in the stands, let's just say, if you're in the first row of MetLife Stadium, no, even better, if you get lucky and you sit in the coaches' club, you're in the coaches' club, right, at that, at that bar-level seating right there on the field, right? And then compare that against being at the 50-yard line up in, like, between the two and 300 level. Which is a better view of the field? Which allows you to see the field from a better perspective? That spot right there in the coaches' club? Or the spot in the two to 300 level? Answer. Go ahead. You're answering the 200 to 3. If, if the objective is to see the game and see the plays develop and, and, and all that, higher up is better. Now, if your objective is to have your own bathroom and have a food catered and drinks and whatever, nice, warm, toasty atmosphere, the coaches club is your thing. But why on earth are, is this rookie offensive coordinator on the sideline and not up in the booth? That's the first change that I would make immediately. No questions asked. That's the first thing. And I know Zach Wilson likes his offensive coordinator there on the field with them. Guess what? There's a phone. You can pick it up and call him on the phone. The Jets, I expect a tomorrow to get no ground game going at all. Because the Patriots, I'd say, are above average in stopping the run. They're sixth best in yards per catch allowed. And they're in the top half. Yards per carry, I should say. I'm sorry. And they're in the top half. In least amount of ground yards given up per game. So that is not a recipe for success. Plus, the Jets' Michael Carter is struggling. I mean, he only averages 33 yards a game. So this is going to be Zach Wilson's game to win or lose. This is the situation that the Jets are in week in and week out. The problem is, 
Zach Wilson has thrown an inter- at least one interception in every game so far. The Jets' offensive line has at least allowed at least one single sack every game. And, and overall, they've given up 18 sacks so far this season. 18. They're tied for 26th in the league in sacks allowed as an offensive line unit. And that doesn't match up too well if you're a Jet fan against this Patriot defense, who they are really in the middle of the pack in, in, in sacks per game and, and, and pressure percentage. So maybe Wilson's going to have the time. Maybe. But, I mean, you point to, here's the little sliver of hope. Last week against the, the Patriots, Dak Prescott threw for 445 yards and three touchdowns. Can or will Zach Wilson put up the same or similar numbers? I'm not convinced. I'm really not. Coming off the bye, who knows where Denzel Mims is going to be. But for the Jets to win this game, he's going to have to put up Dak Prescott numbers. I don't I don't see any other way. And the Jets defense. I mean, I know this is an offensive game, but but the Jets defense. Jets passing defense. They allow a 97.1 rating, which is 17th in the league. And 7.2 yards per attempt, which is 13th in. So Listen, it's 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 if if you're trying to figure out which way I'm leaning here, the Jets' defensive front they're they're actually pretty good. Actually, they pressure the opposing offense uh, at a really intense clip. Like they are in second in the league. They are ranked second in the league in pressure percentage. This Jets' defense is especially the front, and they're actually tied for eighth in the league in quarterback hits. So that's promising. But if you look at how the Jets have played against the run, it's not good. They allow, on average, 123.4 yards per game. 21st in the league. And the Patriots feature back, Damian Harris, he's coming off a 101-yard, one-touchdown performance. So that's that's the Patriots' game plan. Ground and pound, absolutely. Jets aren't going to be able to stop them. Zach Wilson, we'll see what he's going to be. But, I mean, the last I looked, the Jets are, uh, I think they were seven-point underdogs the last I, I looked. I think it's going to be a little closer than that. I'm going Patriots 21, Jets 17. Patriots 21, Jets 17. And again, I, I hope I'm wrong. I love being wrong in these situations. It's just the way that these two teams match up, the way... I think that that Belichick will outcoach first-year head coach Robert Sala. I, I think that's kind of the give for me. And please, can you please put Lafleur up in the in the in the boxes? Come on, Manuel standing by eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six is the number. Got my Giants pick coming up next. Uh, no, a little later in the show. Probably about. About 7.20 or so, I'll have my giant pick. Again, Patriots 21, Jets 17 is my prediction. Let's go to the phones. 877-337-6666. To New Rochelle we go. Chris, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle, how are you? Great, Chris, how are you? Ah, 
little frustrated as a season ticket holder. You know, it's been 10 years of, of rough times, and, uh, you know, you, you wanted to believe that this year was finally going to be it with all these moves, but... Chris, wait, let me I mean, let me interrupt you for one second. Are you talking about the Yankees, the Mets, the Jets, the Giants? Oh, the it could be, Giants. It could I'm be sorry. any of them. Yeah, I, you're 100% right, Daniel. You're 100% <laughs> right. And I guess my biggest frustration is, I, I guess, you know, my kids have seen two Super Bowls in their era. And I, only, I, I saw a couple as well. But I try to tell my kids, you, this is what I went through with your grandfather in the 70s. I never saw them win a home game some years. Um and you feel for it because, you know, these kids, you know, we've been lucky with the Giants that they've made the couple of Super Bowl runs. Mm-hmm. But this team, at least with the Yankees when they were doing bad, George would fire someone or shake them up. And John's not doing that. And I, I just think the, the Giants need a shake-up. They have to put somebody on the hook in the middle of the season, do something to just shake things up because – they're just getting worse and worse every week, and they're losing the fans. I have six tickets. No one's coming with me to the game tomorrow. Oh, I'll come with you. Come, <laughs> I'll, I'll you go. come, Danielle. <laughs> oh, man. But I got to um, watch the Jets on my phone, though, because I have a show on Tuesday. So I'm going to have to watch the Jets on, on my phone. No, but, but it's just frustrating. I know it is. I, really I get is. it. And, and you know what else? You know what I'm going to say? I agree with you. A midseason shakeup is in the cards. And it, it, I don't think, I mean, firing the, the, the general manager now. I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. Firing the head coach right now, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference because who's going to step up? Jason Garrett? You really want Jason Garrett coaching your team? I think the move, defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, this defense, and you're there. Yes. You're there every week. They look terrible. They're, they're horrible. You know, you want to believe in Judge, right? He says all the right things. Yes. Says all the right things. And, but you know what? As a, as a, as a ticket... As a paying customer, yeah. I'm getting sick of the same things every week. It's it's the same crap every week. You really get sick of it. And I and I want to believe in him, right? He's he's the type of a coach that the Giants like, yes. right? That he's a nice guy. He's a family guy. He's a typical married guy. Mm-hmm. And you want to believe in this guy, but you know, I don't know if it's listen, Garrett. I'm not a big fan of Garrett. I wasn't a fan of him when he was coaching the Cowboys. Yeah. I'm not a fan of his play calling. We sit, I sit up top, and we could call the plays, and we know what he's going to call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's very scary. But, hope, you know, look, tomorrow, I, I don't know. I, part of me wants them to tank and just go for another pick. My son just said Malik who? Malik, Malik Lewis. He's Willis. The Willis. Malik Willis. He said that's their new pick next year. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens, Danielle. But if you ever want to come to a game, I got extras, all right? All right. <laughs> might have to, me and my dad might have to come and take you up on that. You said you got you six. You got it. Let <laughs> me know. So, uh, Steve knows me, so you can ask Steve. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Chris. Bye-bye. And uh, and and I love that your son interjected there. And 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 who you're talking about? Or who he's talking about is Liberty quarterback Malik Willis. I know that's someone that has been on Boomer Esiason's radar, but I think I didn't catch your son's name, but I I think that the problem is is bigger than just a quarterback. Honestly, I'd stick with Daniel Jones, and I know that sounds crazy, but he is the prototypical guy that that would fit in this NFL. He is. He he can break off a, a real expansive run, and he he can hang tough in the pocket as he's shown you this season. I think it's I think it's beyond that. But I think the first domino that needs to fall, Patrick Graham, your defense looks horrible. Figure it out. Rocco in Sheep's Head Bay, you're up next on the fan. 
Hey, Daniel. What's up, Daniel? What's up with you? Uh, Daniel, you, I never talk to you. I tell you something. I yeah. listen to you all the time. Always a great show. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. I I just want to say, if, if I guess Steve is retiring, I'd like to see you come on the air. Yeah. But I mean, gonna, hey, gonna, I, well, I put in for it, so we'll see what happens. So I'll tell you something. We're going to miss Steve. Mm. Steve is something else. Yes. Legend. Living legend. And I and I, and I, I just want to say one other thing. I hope Hollywood loses tonight. I'm not even a Braves fan. I just hope I, I, I don't see the Dodgers again, you know? Mm. I know. I, I get it. Watch... <laughs> I just want to say hello, Daniel. Great show, always. Ah, thanks, Rocco. I appreciate right? that. Yes. Hope oh, it... you Oh, sorry, Rocco. I thought... Sorry, sorry. I hate doing that. I feel like a jerk now. Sorry, Rocco. But um, thanks for all the nice words. And, and obviously, there's no replacing a living legend, right? So... Yeah, I did put my name in for it, and we'll see what happens. Um, but I, I tweeted out my Jets pick, and uh, oh, who's, is it Erica still on the update? Erica, okay, cool. Erica Herskowitz has an update coming your way, and of course, we'll take more of your calls at 877-337-6666. Lies and solutions for every industry. Backed by 24-7 customer support and specialists to help with hard-to-find products. Because you've got everyone's back. We've got yours. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Serena Williams. You watch me live on TV. And I'm the girl from that alien movie you watch on demand. Our worlds have been brought together thanks to direct TV stream. Why are you whispering? Because the alien will hear us. Maybe let the alien know you can get direct TV stream with no annual contract. He seems pretty excited by that, actually. Introducing direct TV stream, the best of live TV and on demand with no annual contract. Get your TV together at directtv.com. Wires high speed internet incompatible device. Content varies by package and location. Restrictions apply. It takes two vaccines to help protect you this season, the flu and COVID-19. And now you can get both shots at the same visit. Learn more at cdc.gov slash vaccines. WFAN and WFAN-FM and HD1, New York. An Odyssey station. WFAN Sports Powered by Superbooks, now open with better odds and favorable prices. Good evening at 7 o'clock. I'm Erica Herskowitz, and this report's brought to you by H.L. Gross Jewelers. Shop H.L. Gross in Garden City or at hlgross.com. Well, coming up in about an hour from now, the Dodgers and Braves will square off in Game 6 of the National League Championship Series in Atlanta, where the Braves can put it away. They lead the series three games to two. Ian Anderson starts for Atlanta. Walker Bueller goes for the Dodgers instead of Max Scherzer, who's unable to pitch after complaining of a dead arm after Game 2. The winner will play the Astros in the World Series. Big comeback from behind win for the Rangers today as they overcame a 2-0 deficit, scoring three goals in the span of three minutes and 20 seconds in the third period to beat the Senators in Ottawa 3-2. Chris Kreider scored twice. Ryan Lindgren also tallied, and Alexander Gorgiev stopped 26 shots as the Blue Shirts pick up a fourth straight win. Coming up soon, the Devils host the Sabres at the Rock, and then later on, the Islanders visit the Coyotes in Phoenix. In the longest game in college football history today, Illinois upset seventh-ranked Penn State in nine overtimes, 20-18, to and locally 16th-ranked Wake Forest beat Army 70-56. And with sports flashes at the top of the hour, I'm Erica Herskowitz. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Google, play WFAN. Danielle McCartney. Sports Radio 1019 FM. The fan. WFAN. Welcome.
the 7 p.m. hour on McCartan before midnight here on The Fan in New York City. We are halfway there. Whoa! Yeah, we're halfway through the show. I'm with you until 9 p.m., everybody. And, you know, before this month kind of gets away from us, just wanted to wish all my Italian and Italian-American friends a very happy Italian Heritage Month. We haven't done this yet. If you are a baseball fan, I'd recommend that you follow at IABF, IABF underscore official. Actually, they've been posting some real educational stories about Italian-American Contributors to the game of baseball like Joe Girardi, Brandon Nimmo, Joe DiMaggio, and, uh, Joe Madden, and more. So that's IABF underscore official on Instagram. And football, Italian American contributions, you have to look no farther than two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game, Joe Montana and Don Marino. I mean, in hockey, literally in hockey, the machine that grooms the ice was created by a guy named Frank Zamboni. The Bruins, by the way, a little history lesson here. The Bruins were the first team to buy a Zamboni machine. Frank Zamboni is a member of both the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame and the U.S. Speed Skating Hall of Fame. So, si, quindi, ottobre è un mese di felicità per tutti gli italiani e tutti gli italiani americani. We'll go back to your calls at 877-337-6666. Joe in Woodbridge, you're up on the fan. Hey, good, good evening. How you doing? Great, John. Uh, how are you? I, I would, I would wanted to talk about um, the Jet game tomorrow. Um, yeah. I have a feeling that it, it's going to probably be the opposite. The Jets, you know, uh, 21 and, and the Patriots either 14 or 17. Uh, the Patriots running back, um, the Harris, is he available tomorrow? I'll check the, the Patriots injury report in a second, but yeah. go ahead. I think he, I think he was injured. And I do agree with you about how the offensive coordinator needs to be on top. Uh, I was watching this video about the Jets have like this Facebook thing going on, I think, kind of like Hard Knocks thing. They were showing, of course, that, you know, how Wilson threw that long touchdown, whatever. And it, it came across to me that, you know, yeah, um, the offensive coordinator was happy for, for Zach, but he just kept on like, I don't know. Like I feel like I felt like he was annoying him. <laughs> he gave him this look, like yeah, I can read a body when he like when he kind of like he said, "Are you ready to play some NFL football?" Now he said it twice. The first time he said, "Okay," but the second time I think Zach kind of ignored him, and he gave him this look. Like I was like, "Oh my god, does that look good?" Like if you really watch it, you're like, "Wow." Yeah. Um, well, all right. So yeah, Harris is, is not listed, by the way, uh, on it good. at all. So good, good. Um, yeah, this would be a good test for for him. I think this is one of the reasons why Darnold got kicked out because him with division games, he was just horrible. No. Uh, yeah, you had the you had the, the, the success with balls, but then of course he had the injuries. But he never seemed to like. I mean, Sanchez did good with division games, and I and I was like, uh, and I hope, I hope I'm hoping this kid learns from the past and says, okay. This is a team that I get to see twice a year. I should know him pretty well. Yeah, I know. but I, And I know the kid studies. He studies hard. He wants to succeed. It's just what's around him. I mean, really. it's the same. I feel like this is like we're talking about Sam Darnold 2.0 here. Mm-hmm. What's around him? You got Mekhi Becton, who is out probably until at least the Bills game. And I, I don't know. And just when you look at defensively, this Jets defense, I mean, maybe the offense, like the Giants, can score 21 points a game, let's just say. Their defense, they've got C.J. Mosley. He hasn't practiced all week, and he's listed as doubtful. That's a big hole in the middle. I mean, don't you remember when he went out with the injury a couple years ago? The defense absolutely fell apart without him in it. 
Yeah, that is very true. But I, I think the just defensive coordinator, he's, uh, well, the coach, and, the, and of course, his defensive coordinators, they do a really good job um, in actually stopping um, certain plays. Like, I, don't get me wrong, last week, Matt Ryan tore him apart. And I think that's just him being a veteran and knowing what to do. And of course, this GM does not seem to understand. I don't get why doesn't he just add a veteran quarter? Yeah, I know. You no, know, I don't understand that. Yes. Like, you need that. And I think that's one of the things that might get him kicked out down the road. But I'm hoping that he drafts one because he is so focused on that O-line and maybe some edge rushes and linebackers. But the cornerback, you had Trufant out there. You have Screen out there. Yeah. Both of these veteran guys have been there, done that. They know what to do, at least. It'll bring some sort of knowledge. But, oh, well, what are you going to do? I know. And, Joe, thanks for the call. And when you look at the Jets and you look at um, NFL team points per game, guess what? you got to scroll all the way down to the bottom to find the Jets. They are ranked 32 out of 32 teams in points per game. And it's like not close. It's almost like by an entire field goal. Okay, so keep that in mind when everybody's making their predictions here. And, and New England's not much better. The The Patriots averaged 20.8 points per game on average this year. And uh, the Jets averaged 13.4 points per game. So keep that in mind when you make your, your little bets there, everybody. All right? 877-337-6666 is the number to Rivervale. Well, that's my neck of the woods. Bobby, you're up on the fan. Hi, Danielle. I, I was just driving, and I was flipping the channels, and I went to my favorite channel, and I heard you mentioning Italian Cultural or Heritage Month or something. Yeah. And the Italian that you spoke mm-hmm. was so perfect, so beautiful, <laughs> well, that I almost crashed. No, I don't crash. I, was dead. No, don't I crash. said, my God, this, this woman's voice and the Italian, I mean... I haven't heard something so perfect. It was incredible. Oh, tu parli italiano? Un poco. Okay. Well, I, I understand it. I understand it. But right now I can't I can't speak it. I'm too excited. The only thing you didn't mention <laughs> was the great Vince Lombardi. Oh, Lombardi. How could I forget Lombardi? The trophy's named after him. Oh, my God. You're right. Right. But you're fantastic. Uh, I like listening to you about sports. Incredible. I didn't realize you spoke Italian like that. Wow, well, that's amazing. Bobby, Beautiful. guess what? I, during the week, I teach Italian. Incantevole. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was fantastic. Grazie. Wow. Thanks. Appreciate Thank that. So I got, maybe I can work more, more of that in there, I guess. Yeah, wow. I'm gonna, I got to make sure. When, like, I got to find out when you're on all the time because you're better than everybody else. Oh, thanks, Bobby. Are you on Facebook or Twitter? Uh, Facebook. Okay, go to facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, and I post all the show times up on there. Okay, that's what I got to do then. Thank you so much, Yeah, Danielle. you're welcome. Have a great night. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Well, that was cool. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess, a, a, a hidden talent, I guess, for the radio, but not for my everyday life. But, yeah, speak Italian well enough, well enough to teach it. But, man, how did I forget Vince Lombardi? I mean, duh, the Super Bowl trophy is only named after the guy. Yeah. Vince Lombardi, pretty significant contribution to the game of football, if you ask me. Well, if you ask Bobby, who reminded me. <laughs> All right, let's go. Nyack, New York. Max, you're up on the fan. Hey, how you doing tonight? Hey, good, Max. How are you? Listen, did you go to Rampo College? I went to Rampo College, yes. So you know the mason jar? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know oh, the Mason Jar is in a little bit of trouble, actually. They're playing the loud music too late. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, the, the neighbors in Mawa are complaining. I saw it on the oh, news yeah. today. 
That figures. But I, you know, I'm from Nyack, but I, but I've been, but I have relatives in Mawa that yeah, they always go to the mason jar. Yeah, mason jar, pretty good. And I think I heard I listen to you all the time, and I'm like, one time you said that you were from Rampo. I'm uh-huh. like, I wonder if she knows the mason jar. Yeah, which, yeah. Which, the, which has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I, it's all I, good. All good. Uh, Making I connections. You, I never called you before, so I figured I'd throw that out there to break the ice. Ah, of course. Thanks. Appreciate that. All hey, right. Listen, what do you got for me? So I, I, I maybe I'm a little uh, giddy about the Knicks, and I could be wrong. I, I know we've been pl- talking about football and stuff. Yeah, whatever. All, all is I'm good. I'm kind of happy about the Knicks right now. I, I kind of, you know, I know they, last night was a joke, but yeah, and we haven't played anybody really good yet. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm liking the gelling, and, and I just do love the coach. Oh, I mean, me too. Coach. Oh, I, mean, I you love were, him. You're, you're a coach, right? So you know, love him. Yeah, love you know, him. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I liked them last year, and they got to the playoffs. Yep, they got blown out. But I, but I think that it, it was a good experience for the whole team. And I think they have the right chemistry this year. I agree. And and I'm I'm a little excited about them this year. And it's okay to be excited. And you're right. You're okay to be excited about the Knicks. I mean, they like you said, they've got a great coach who knows what he's doing, clearly, and, and, and commandeered the team to a fourth seed berth that nobody saw coming last year. They've only added pieces to it. They played defense, for crying out loud. I mean, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I know. It's- and they have a good, you know, you know. I just Fournier. I, I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I guess it's only, you know, because it's two and zero. No, but right. But you know, I, I could make this phone call two months later, but I don't think so. I think when I call you later on, like around Thanksgiving, the Knicks are going to be in a good spot. I, I think you're going to be right, and I, uh, I, I think uh, you nailed it. And, and I will hope to hear from you before then. But if you give me a call around Thanksgiving I, and the Knicks are still in it, you're right on because I agree with you. All right. I love the show. Thanks. Thanks, Max. I appreciate that. Yeah, and then you know what? Here's the thing. I'm looking at the Knicks schedule for uh, 21-22, trying to look and see. I mean, the Magic, listen, the last opponent the Magic had, they played the Spurs. Seven Spurs went into double digits. Seven Knicks went into double digits. But you look at the body of work they've done so far in these two games. I mean, Julius Randle looks amazing. Obi Toppin looks like he's matured times infinity. Emmanuel Quickly has set a team record for three-pointers made in one single game. They beat the Boston Celtics two in two overtimes, an exciting game, which was I was on that night, actually, and I had to avoid the Madison Square Garden emptying on my way home and got stuck in traffic anyway on the West Side Highway. But it's, it's exciting, right? So I'm looking at the schedule. Sunday, October 24th is their next game, which is tomorrow at 7 p.m. So Jets and Giants both play at 1. There's no excuse not to watch this Knicks game tomorrow. They'll probably beat the Orlando Magic again. But then the next time I'm on is Tuesday. I'm on Tuesday for, at 7.30 p.m. And you better believe that we're going to have TNT on uh, in this studio because it's the Knicks versus the 76ers. That is their first test. Let's see. Let's see how these Knicks perform against the these 76ers team. My dad texted me. Make sure you tell him that Vince Lombardi is from Englewood. Okay, Dad. Vince Lombardi is from Englewood, everybody. Also another local guy. <laughs> Let's go to Eddie in Rockland. You're up next on the fan. Hey, Danny. Long time no speak, you know. Uh on the Giants, I want to give you a scenario. Tell me. You got to, you're taking the keys. You're the GM. 
starting today. Wow, I am the GM of the Mets and the Giants tonight. Let's do it. Today, and you have to make a decision. You're going to make the first four picks in the draft on offense or defense. It's got to be on one side of the ball, and you've got to save one side of the ball. You're saving Daniel Jones and Barkley and uh, – and uh, the rest of the crew that coming up on big contracts, or are you dumping the whole offense and starting mm-hmm. off fresh? Okay, so what was the first question? Let's back up. First question is, which, where is my first pick, offense or defense? No, the first, you get the first four picks in the draft. Mm-hmm. You can trade. You got Seattle. You got your top number one. You got your top second. Mm-hmm. You can trade down, make a couple more. Mm-hmm. What do you, where's your four, first four positions? It's got to be on one side of the ball. All on one side of the ball? Oh. God, uh, I'd have to go. I'd have to go pass rush, some sort of pass rush, because the Giants literally don't have one. I mean, they didn't sack Dak Prescott or Jameis Winston one single time, so that's where I would go with my first picks. And then, am I keeping the band together? Am I keeping Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley together? Is the next question. Yeah. Um, I believe in Daniel Jones. I think that paying a running back in Saquon Barkley would not be worth it. He has not proven that he can remain healthy for uh, an extended period of time. And honestly, he he just he's not performing up to up to the the spot in which he was picked. So I w- I would dump Barkley and I would I would keep Jones. All right. Well, I would go I would do this. I would dump the coach. <laughs> and I would get the coach I wanted to get in and Jim Harbaugh or uh, Byron Lefkowitz, and I would give them the first four of uh, the big picks, and I would go all the right guard, uh, tight end, center, and power running back, and I would try to save this offense, and I would get up the team scoring about maybe 28 points uh, a game, and then I would work the defense the following year. Yeah, but and, and Eddie, it's a good, well-thought-out point there except for the fact that the Giants score 20 points a game now, right? I mean, they're in the bottom third, but they give up a lot. They give up a ton of points. I'm trying to look up as I speak here. Uh, Offense, defense, scoring defense, right? Opponent points per game. When you look at opponent points per game, where do the Giants rank? Yeah, the Giants rank in the – and they're tied for – in. There's only two teams worse than the Giants in giving up points per game. The Washington football team, the Atlanta Falcons, and they're tied with the Miami Dolphins. You, Like I said, you can load up on offense. I said this the other night. You can load up on offense like crazy. You could score 500 points a game. Great. Cool. But if you can't play defense and, and the other team scores 501 points, you lose. So the first thing that I would do, I would go defense first to stop the other team from scoring. You know, 29.5 points per game that defense gives up, that's brutal. You can't win games when you give up 30 points a game. You just can't. It's not possible. I see where you're going. I mean, they signed Rudolph. I would I would trade Evan Ingram. I would trade Saquon Barkley before you let him walk and get nothing out of him. I know he's injured, obviously, but um, I don't think he's going to be out the rest of the season. And I know where you're going offensive line, sure, right? But you have a mobile quarterback. It's not like he's a statue back there. So if you're telling me to pick, I have to pick offense or defense to improve right now. It's the Giants defense. And 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 forget about the head coach. That defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, I don't know how that guy still has a job. Opposing quarterbacks against the Giants have a 115 quarterback rating. 
and a 74 point, what is it, four completion percentage? That's unheard of. That's not, that's not right. That's like the Giants are going against a top five quarterback every single week, no matter who it is. Unacceptable, completely unacceptable. Speaking of the Giants, I got my Giants prediction coming up next on The Fan. Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. It's almost football Sunday, everybody. Let's get pumped. I mean, the Jets and Giants are playing, right? Take a line out of Pete Alonso's book. At least you have football. Smile. <laughs> I know. It's, it's not easy to smile if you're a Jet or a Giant fan anymore in this city, huh? All right. Uh, we did the Jets prediction. I, I do think the Jets are going to lose by a score. Sorry. I hope I'm wrong. I, I do hope I'm wrong. I, I think the Jets are going to lose by a score of 21-17. to 17. I was about to post that on Facebook when we just came back from break. Uh, it's already up on Twitter. See, I don't like hiding behind any of this. You know what I mean? I, if, I, if I'm if i wrong, I don't want to own it. You know? I don't know of anybody else that posts their their stuff on here. You know, Facebook makes this so difficult. I have to do it in a little bit. All right. Anyway, so Panthers at New York Giants. 1 p.m. on Fox. You know me. I'm going to have the split screen going on in my house. Uh, one team's going to be on the left. One team's going to be on the right. If you have Altice, um, you can do split screen. And maybe tomorrow, if you remind me, I, I could put a little how-to video up on, on, on my Twitter and Facebook here. But uh, the, the only way I found it is I actually plopped down. I sat on the couch, and I actually sat on the remote. And all of a sudden, it came up a menu of picture and picture And I was like, oh, my God, awesome. So I have picture and picture now. Uh, Altice won. In uh, in Jersey, so uh, if you need a, a how-to, I'll, I'll remind me, and I'll put up a video for everybody. Uh, I feel like I'm in my class. Remind me, and I'll put up a video for you guys to reference uh, moving moving forward. Panthers-Giants. Uh, I guess let's start with the injury report, as I always, I always do. I kind of comb through that. Did not practice this week. Saquon Barkley, Kadarius Toney, Kenny Galladay. All out. All significant pieces to that offense, no? And then furthermore, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, and even John Ross are listed as questionable. I mean, did you guys go out to the tryout at, at in the Meadowlands for the Giants wide receiver position? Did you guys go? I'm just kidding. There really wasn't one. But look at it. I mean, how many wide receivers are they down? And, and Daniel Jones, to steal a line from the great Giselle Bunchen. Supermodel, Daniel Jones. And I know she said it about Tom Brady, but he can't throw it and catch it at the same time. So, I mean, who is out there for Daniel Jones? I mean, this is kind of where this starts and ends, right? You look at the Giants' defense. Let's take this miserable defense first. And you look at how it stacks up against the Panthers. Well, the Panthers' offensive line allowed four sacks and four quarterback hits last week against the Vikings. This is where the Giants' defensive front should win the game for this team. However, I'll let its rankings speak for themselves. The Giants' pass rush, they only, they're only they tied for 27th in the league. 
Giants pressure percentage, 30th in the league. Again, among 32 teams. Overall, pass defense for this Giants team, 28th in the league. Yards per attempt, 23rd in the league. You want me to keep going? I mean, this is terrible. Everyone knows around here about Sam Darnold's propensity to be reckless with the football. And believe it or not, the Giants' defense is tied for 11th, better than any of the other ones I just gave you, but they're tied for 11th in the league in interceptions. So maybe, maybe they could come away with one or two in some critical spots. Who knows? Giants' offense, without a real threat to run the ball, even though the Panthers' defense is not good. For the, for the Giants, like the Jets, this game is going to be won and lost on the arm of the quarterback. The problem is, the Giants' offensive line allowed three sacks in 27 quarterback hits last week to a quarterback who, in my opinion, was not playing with a health meter at 100%. Daniel Jones coming out of concussion protocol. I mean, in terms of quarterback rating, he's coming off his second-to-worst game of his entire career. And in the worst game of his career in terms of quarterback rating, he threw at least one touchdown pass. Last week, zero. That's bad news for him. And that offensive line. Because the Panthers have the third highest pressure percentage in the league. And guess what? They're tied for sixth in sacks. The Panthers' Panthers pass defense beside that is also pretty good. There are two statistics that really stick out to me in terms of what the Giants' offensive game plan should be. The Panthers' defense is third best in the league on third down defense. Their red zone offense, I'm sorry, their red zone defense is 26th in the league. There it is. You know what that means to me? I interpret those two rankings and those two statistics, and I say, okay, throw the ball deep, and stay out of third down situations. Get right up in that red zone and make it happen. I mean, the potential for big plays is not out of the realm of possibility. Daniel Jones this year is only 3 for 11 on deep balls. Yeah, I, I totaled him up, NFL's next-gen stats. He's 3 for 11 on deep balls this year. However, last year he was well above league average down the sidelines. I mean, almost double what the quarterback rating is on, on deep balls over 20 yards. Almost double. And he was literally almost perfect over the middle on passes more than 20 yards. Guess what Jason Garrett's offense has not done? Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones has not attempted one single pass this season between the hash marks and more than 20 yards. Why not? That's what I want to know. Jason Garrett, please let the kid air it out. That's how you're going to win this game. Now you have the Panthers coming off an overtime loss to the Vikings, one in which Kirk Cousins threw for 373 yards and three touchdowns. Is it possible that Daniel Jones can do the same? I don't know. You heard the injury report, didn't you? Last I saw, the Giants were three-point underdogs. I mean, look no farther than the injury report. That's it for me. That's what did it. Panthers 28, Giants 17. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that I'm wrong. But I'm going Panthers 28, Giants 17. And hopefully, hopefully, 
that'll shake up a little bit of the coaching staff because the way that defense is playing is completely and utterly unacceptable. Let's go to the phones. 877-337-6666 to Monroe and James. You're up on the fan. Danielle, good evening. How are you? I'm good, James. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, I wanted to talk about the Knicks, and I wanted to talk about the Rangers. Big win today for the um, Rangers. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, Rangers, let me tell you something. The Rangers are a little flat right now with their scoring. However, their goaltending is outstanding. And uh, I'll tell you, when their offense kicks into gear, they're going to be really, really tough team to beat. I mean, I mean they're... They sco- yeah, they scored three goals in the last six minutes and 20 seconds of this game. If that's not a kickstart, a kick in the butt, I, I don't know what's going to be. Yeah, but did you see the goaltending in that game? No, I was listening on the radio, actually. Oh. I was on my way in. The goaltending was so outstanding. I'm telling you, Georgia had a really good game today. Good. good. But the Rangers all, all together have been, the goaltending has been outstanding. And I tell you, that's what's going to keep them going. And they're playing they a little bit it. more physical, too. I mean, Chris Kreider, based on the radio call, Chris Kreider. Oh, yeah. Man, he was <laughs> late. He was putting down some punishment today in the last couple minutes. Yeah, he was he was brutal today. He hit a guy. He smashed this guy into the ball. Boy, he got a penalty I heard, right yeah. at the end of the game. Yep. But they, yep. they held on to hold the game together, which was great. Good. As far as, the, as far as the Knicks go, you know what? Knicks have a great chemistry right now. Yes. Um, I thought last year that the one thing that they lacked was point guards that could, you know, distribute the ball mm-hmm. and make their team better. Mm-hmm. And this year they got Kimball Walker, and he doesn't play a lot, mm-hmm. and the same with Derrick Rose. Yep. But because of the fact that they could only average like 20 minutes apiece, I think that's a benefit for the team because they're not tired. Yep. And they seem to be playing well together in that second unit, first unit type of situation. Yep. And I'll tell you, Knicks are going to make some noise in, in the division, too. And you know what? That's what's great about the Garden. The Garden's finally got teams that are going to be competitive this year, and the Garden's going to be full all the time. Oh, I mean, it is anyway, though, isn't it? I mean, it's a tourist yeah, destination, all thing. With something to look forward to. You know what I'm saying? Of course. So how you doing? I just wanted to say hello to you because I heard you on the radio. I'm on my way, actually, to work. So I was calling you oh. just to say hello to you. Oh, well, well, hello there, James. I appreciate the call there. And uh, thanks for checking in. But when you look at this Knicks team, too, uh, a couple of things stick out, and you outlined it beautifully. Derek Rose and Kemba Walker, are the best-case scenario is they are both not on the court at the same time. They are great facilitators of the ball. And, and you know, where the Knicks fell short last season was was their bench. I mean, Tom Thibodeau, I love him, but you know he rode the starters a little too hard last year because he didn't have much of a bench. Add Kemba Walker to the mix. It's only going to make things better, right? Also, I saw something from uh, Mitchell Robinson who apparently has finally learned how to take care of his body. He apparently started working out like on his own. That's going to be good for the Knicks. And Mitchell Robinson, remember, he went out, you know, quite early last year with an injury. He never came back. Mitchell Robinson is a great player. He is going to unlock Julius Randle because you can't cover them both at the same time. And, and the chemistry of the team, 
Last year, there was an article, and I can't remember who put it out and who wrote it, but there was an article about Julius Randle. And a story he told uh, about Kobe Bryant was wherever he's from, wherever Julius Randle is from, they, they landed. He was a young player. They landed in the, in the city, and, and Kobe Bryant, they got off the team plane, and he's like, where are you going, man? He's like, oh, I'm going to go meet up with my mom. My buddy's here. And Kobe Bryant was like, no, you're not. No, you're not. We're going to go work out in the gym, the basketball gym. At first, I was like, the, the gym gym? No, it's the basketball gym, as I was reading it. And that was something that Kobe Bryant did often. And he took Julius Randle with him and probably other teammates, but Julius Randle was one of them. So guess what Julius Randle does now for this Knicks team? You know, no coaches, unstructured, the whole thing. Julius Randle reserves a gym in each city that the Knicks are going to be traveling to, whether it's a, it could be a high school gym, it could be a collegiate gym, and Julius Randle reserves that gym for the team to build camaraderie. And you, you see it. You actually see it on the court. And that is something that Kobe Bryant taught Julius Randle. And, and I want to make sure I give the, the writer... Uh, credit for that because I, I, you know, it was an awesome story. If you haven't read it, it's really good. Um, oh man, I don't want to. I don't want to say it wrong. So here's what we'll do: we'll go to commercial. I'll look it up on the break, and I will. I will tell you where to find that article. And, and if you know where it is, you guys can tweet me if you found it before I did. Okay, um, at Coach M C C A R T A N. My next question is, um, and we'll get to your calls in a sec. So, so what's the deal with Denzel Mims and the Jets? Why has he only been targeted four times on 21 snaps this season? There have been calls made to Florham Park about him, about trading for him, and the Jets have turned down those offers. Like, why? I appeal to you, Jets fans. Are you keeping Denzel Mims? Are you trading him? 877-337-6666. Your official station to talk Jets. The Fan on 1019 FM and the Odyssey app. I'm more than just an option. Hey, 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 hey. I know I'm an option on your radio, so thanks for tuning in to the Carton Before Midnight here on The Fan. Thanks for choosing me. Why don't you get aboard? 877-337-6666 is the phone number. I mean, we're literally talking about all of our New York teams here. We've got the Jets. That we, I made the prediction. I think the Jets are going to lose to the Patriots, 21-17. I made my Giants pick. I think the Giants are going to lose to the Panthers, 28-17. I've got the Devils on TV right now. The Rangers had an exciting, exciting win earlier today. And the Knicks are coming off also, you know, a beatdown of the Orlando Magic. And we'll talk a little bit in a few few minutes about whether or not the Nets actually miss Kyrie Irving or not. Should the Jets trade Denzel Mims? Will he have a bigger role in tomorrow's game? Will he even dress? I mean, listen, the Jets picked him with this in, in the second round, 59th overall in that 2020 draft. And looking at the snap share of all the Jets wide receivers, you have to scroll literally to the bottom to find Denzel Mims' name. I mean, not one single game this season has his snap share been over 16%. Jets fans know it well. In weeks two and three, he never even saw the field. And yet the Jets, at least until this point, are hesitant to trade him. 
and they've actually turned down interested teams. So far this season, his, his stat line is three catches on four targets. I mean, his player comp is Chris Godwin. Mims is fast, 4.38 uh, 40-yard dash, four, four seconds and you know, 4.38 seconds on his 40-yard dash time. He's a big target for a rookie quarterback trying to find his way. He's 6'3", 207. He should be out there, but why isn't he? I am. Let me tell you something. I am so intrigued by this, and I've read everything there is to read. I've watched everything that there is to watch on Denzel Mims, and what I've gathered still is that he just doesn't know the playbook well enough to be out there, which is crazy. He's clearly physically gifted enough to be out there, but I don't think that his mental game has caught up to LaFleur's offense. Listen, Robert Tallis said, we love Mims. He's a tremendous character kid. He's been working his tail off. And then Salah, in the next sentence, commented on Mims's route running. And then he finished with, Mims is earning his reps, and as he continues to do so, he'll get more opportunities. Then Denzel says, I know what they want. I'm doing everything I can to get everything right and give them what they want. I mean, I don't know about you, but if my playing career in the NFL was predicated on my ability to learn a playbook, I would be sleeping with that playbook under my pillow open for osmosis. I would be recording my coaches explaining it and play it while I drive, while I shower, while I eat. I would literally draw the plays out on paper and tape them all around my house, like on my mirror when I'm brushing my teeth, um, on my ceiling as I go to bed at night. The Jets playbook would be there. I mean, man, let's kick it into gear. The Jets need you, Denzel Mims. And... and if you need any study technique help, please message me. I can help you. I have a master's degree in, in personality types and how they learn. I can help you. But when I see observations like this one from our WFAN beat reporter, Brian Costello, it drives me absolutely nuts. This observation from, from Brian Costello came from the Jets game in London. And he said, this is a quote, after a series, the players split off into position groups and go over things with their position coaches. Okay, everybody knows that, right? So he continued on to say, this is Brian Costello, I noticed on a few of these occasions, the wide receivers were gathered around Coach Miles Austin, but Mims was standing 50 feet away talking to an inactive teammate. But it is a bad look. Just stand there and listen. You can see what other players who are not involved in the game doing that with their other position groups. Now, this is me. This is not a great look, and it makes me question Denzel Mims' hunger to be out there. But he said, on the contrary, he said, of course it's frustrating. I'm a competitive player. Every player wants to start, wants to be a starter, but everything don't go your way. I've got to control what I can control and just come in each and every day and put good things on tape and hold my head high. Will he finish out the season in a Jets uniform? I personally hope so. I think he's got a ton of talent. But, of course, I would be taking phone calls and see what other teams would be willing to give me for him. No player, really, on that team is untouchable, maybe except for, like, Elijah Vera Tucker, Mekhi Becton, Zach Wilson. Yeah, that, that might be it. All right, we will go back to your calls. Emmanuel is standing by 877-337-6666. Ira from Staten Island, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle, how are you? Nice um, to listen to your show. Of course, Howard. Thank you. How are you? And, you know, 
you know, the, the Mims thing is so puzzling. And, and, you know, Costello's right. You know, I've seen it some of the games, even earlier in the year before the London game. Mm-hmm. He, he, he seems to be disengaged on the sidelines. And if you watch him in training camp, they gave him every effort to make an impact on special teams to deserve a spot. Yeah. And he, he just he just didn't get it. And it, it's a shame because he makes plays when he's out there. I, I mean, like you said, he's a big, fast, tall receiver. And, you know, the, the bottom line is the coaching staff don't like him. It's as simple as that. And I don't think Douglas is going to trade him. I think Crowder will get traded before him, and they'll stick more in the slot. But going forward, and I think that's why his offense is so – so messed up at this point besides that they're breaking in a rookie quarterback and a rookie OC is that they're playing wide receivers out of position. They got wide receivers running to the same spot. Moore should be splitting time in the slot with Crowder and Mims and Cole should be splitting um, time on the outside. Mm-hmm. And until they do that, it's, it's going to continue to be ugly. And it's a shame because this is the first time in years that the Jets, you could say, have some decent skill position players yeah. with the wide receiver group. Yeah. But they're not using them the right way. And Corey Davis, too, not to mention. I mean, really. It, it, it makes no sense whatsoever. And you know what? I, I, I honestly, I don't see Mims uh, in a Jet uniform next year. I don't think he'll be traded at the trade deadline, but I could see him be traded in the offseason. You know, and, and I see it too, and it's a shame. I'm with you. It's a shame. But I'm just kind of, as a coach myself, I'm like, I'm wondering, like, why can't this guy see the field? Okay, maybe he doesn't want to play special teams. No one really wants to play special teams, right? But sometimes you have to. But I'm like, how can this guy, how can this coaching staff allow this guy not to learn a playbook if that's, if that's in fact what it is? I think early on it was that, but I think I, I don't believe that's the case anymore. I think they just keep on throwing it out there. Now, granted, it came from Baylor. They're receivers. They just, you know, they run goal routes. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. But the bottom line is he knows the playbook by now. It, it, I think it's the effort and, like you said, the disengagement on the sideline and maybe in the receiving room when they have meetings. Yeah. And I think that's the reason he's not hitting the field. Oh, my God. Like, come on already. Like, get your head in order, kid. Like, really? He's good. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it make the, the whole thing is makes especially since they're trying to run a Shanahan offense. Mm-hmm. They don't have a tight end to do it. Yeah. So you would think that they would use a fifth receiver to make up for the lack of a tight end. Right. This would be perfect for that. And a big guy at that. Yes. Yes. It's just so, puzzling to me. You know, it, it really is. It's just puzzling. I, I, I don't know. What do you expect out of them tomorrow? Just curious. Uh, I don't see a win. Uh, I know. I know. I, unfortunately, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope I'm wrong. I, I see the Patriots 21, Jets 17. Yeah, I'm going more like 23-13. I, I just think the Pats, they're, they're 0-4 at home. They're going to the Chargers next week where they're probably going to lose. So if they're going to keep their season alive, this yeah. is a must game. And they got to be bitter after the way they lost to the Cowboys. Yep. So um, I hope it's going to be competitive, but... Yep. Uh, I don't know. I'm keeping my fingers crossed and hoping for the best. <laughs> Me too, Ira. And thanks for the call there. Um, it's a sad state, right? When you say, I hope it's competitive. And I think that's the sentiment among all Jets fans, like everywhere. I hope it's competitive. Oh, and Giants fans too. I, I hope it's competitive. Because this Jets team comes out and they can't score points early on. I mean, it's just, it, I don't understand. They have, they have the scoop position players to do it. They do. 
I mean, the one thing I, I was thinking back to this, and I probably should have Googled it before I, before I say it, but I believe Corey Davis was asked uh, who – hold on. Let me Google this before I say it because I think Corey Davis was asked when he – yeah, here it is. Okay. Yeah, Corey Davis, when he signed on with the Jets, right, he was asked who he – this is before the draft, before everything – who was going to be his quarterback. And he expected Sam Darnold to be his quarterback. And then Sam Darnold was not his quarterback. So if if I were asking questions, I would kind of follow up with that and and ask something along the lines of like, okay, well, you didn't get what you came here for. Are you still happy being here? Because I don't know. And Corey Davis is a great player. I mean, he came from from the Titans, and he was just like a, like a cap casualty, basically, is what I have a... Uh, I'm connected with Teresa Walker, who who writes for the Associated Press in, in in Nashville, and you know for the for the Predators and for the Titans, and she just basically messaged me. I messaged her when it first happened. She was like, "Yeah, he's a great player. He's just they didn't want to pay him, basically." And the Jets got a really good one. Now, if the Jets, you know, figured out how to use that really good one, well, that's a whole that's a whole other story. Oh, and and before I forget, the article that I uh, referenced before. The Julius Randle story that I told, I, I didn't get that story. It came from somewhere, and I read it. Here it is. I read it in the Players' Tribune, and it's an article written by Julius Randle on March 4th, and it's called Reputation. So I did tweet it in case you wanted to see it, wanted to read it for yourself. It's a great article. It's a little long, so you know, budget yourself some time, but it, it was great. I loved it, actually. Really, really good. Great stories. And do we have uh, – yeah, I think – We've got Erica Herskowitz with an update coming your way, you guys. We'll take more of your calls, of course, at 877-337-6666. Jets, Giants, Mets, Yankees, hockey, Knicks, Nets, whatever you want to talk about. I'm here for you till 9 p.m. here on The Fan. You can stream thousands of shows on nature, history, science, and so much more. Cool. And their annual plans are 25% off, just $1.25 a month. Now I want to go back in time. Sign up for that deal. Sign up now at CuriosityStream.com. CuriosityStream.com. That's it, CuriosityStream.com. Wake up to Wendy's and get a bacon or sausage egg and Swiss breakfast croissant for just $1.99. Made with fresh cracked eggs and served on a hot buttery croissant that's fluffy enough to sleep on. Uh-uh. It's time to wakey wakey. Hit the Wendy's drive-thru and get your bacon or sausage egg and Swiss breakfast croissant for just $1.99. That's a better breakfast for just $1.99. Only at Wendy's. We got you. Limited time only. U.S. price and participation may vary. Third-party delivery prices may vary. Not valid in a combo. Get that satisfying crunch. Now with 20% more honey. Try a delicious Nature Valley Oats and Honey Crunchy Bar with more of the honey you love. WFAN and WFAN-FM and HD1, New York. An Odyssey station. WFAN Sports Flash. Powered by Superbooks, now open with better odds and favorable prices. Good evening at 8 o'clock. I'm Erica Herskowitz. Just about to get underway in Atlanta. The Dodgers and Braves will be squaring off in Game 6 of the National League Championship Series where the Braves can put it away tonight. They lead the best of seven set three games to two. Ian Anderson starts for Atlanta while Walker Bueller goes for the Dodgers instead of Max Scherzer, who's unable to pitch tonight after complaining of a dead arm after game two. The winner of this series will play the Astros in the World Series. Over to the NHL, where the Devils are hosting the Sabres at the Rock right now, and after one period, Buffalo leads Jersey 1-0. 
Earlier today in Ottawa, the Rangers overcame a 2-0 deficit, scoring three goals in a span of three minutes and 20 seconds of the third to beat the Senators in Ottawa 3-2. Chris Kreider scored twice. Ryan Lindgren also tallied, and Alexander Gorgiev stopped 26 shots to help the Blue Shirts pick up a fourth straight win. Tonight, the Islanders visit the Coyotes in Phoenix. In the longest game in college football history, Illinois upset seventh-ranked Penn State in nine overtimes today. 20-18, locally 16th-ranked Wake Forest beat Army 70-56. With Sports Flashes at the top of the hour, I'm Erica Herskowitz. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, Hey Alexa, play WFAN. Danielle McCartney. To the final hour of McCartan before midnight here on the fan coming to you live from lower Manhattan in the Carton and Roberts studio I'm here Manuel Barbari is behind the glass he's taking your calls and we have just put on TBS here in in the in the studio here the Braves and the Dodgers NLCS oh look at that Got a familiar face in the TBS booth and I'll have one eyeball on that as the game goes on and one eyeball on you guys on Twitter and, and, and on the phones and everything. we got a lot going on here tonight. Glad you're a part of it. By the way, we reached our $1,000, well, goal, but it's really like the fourth goal that we set. for. I did the, the New Jersey Devils RWJ Barnabas Health uh, 5K today. I ran it this morning. Yes, I, I, I survived. I'm here. And uh, we have reached, we, we blew by our $250 goal, blew by our $500 goal, blew by our $750 goal. And uh, tonight we have raised, you and I together have raised $1,000 for New Jersey's healthcare heroes in conjunction with the New Jersey Devils. Cool stuff, you guys. Thank you very much. And uh, if you still want to donate, that's fine. You're more than welcome to. I tweeted out the links earlier and put them on Facebook a little bit earlier. More than welcome to donate. Um, for a good cause, of course. And uh, I did okay. I think I did fine. I survived. That's the longest I've ever run outside. By the way, what can the Jets and Giants take away from the resurgence of Sam Darnold with the Panthers? The renaissance of Sam Darnold with the Panthers? Darnold is putting up his best career numbers in an offense with weapons. Where he was the final piece in it. Like... Despite that the, he's in a five-way tie for second in the NFL with number of times sacked, Zach Wilson is included in that tie. He's still got more wins than Jones and Wilson combined. And I'd argue that he put together the best drive among all three of them last week. There were two minutes and nine seconds remaining on the clock against the Vikings. It was like the bonus coverage game that we had. Darnold orchestrated a perfect 11-play, 96-yard drive that ended in a touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson. Then, on a tremendously creative call, really, I'm being serious, shovel past a, a, a pass for a two-point conversion to tie the game. Talk about a pressure situation. And by the way, I noted that on that final scoring drive, in my notes, Sam Darnold completed two big-time throws on fourth down, a 26-yard pass and a 41-yard pass. Giants defense will certainly get their crack at him tomorrow. I was going to count the number of hours, but I can't do that right now. A little over 24 hours from now, right? They play at 1 o'clock. 
But the way that opposing quarterbacks are trending against the Giants, man, oh, man, expect a big game from Sam Darnold. If he's your fantasy quarterback, be happy. Or if you could pick him up at this point, do it. Another reminder, we've got Odyssey's uh, legal expert, legal insider, Amy Dash, is coming our way uh, in just about 15 minutes from now. She's going to give us, and we're going to do a New York perspective on the Deshaun Watson thing, the Washington football thing, and the Trevor Bauer thing. They're all important, and Amy Dash is the best at it, so we will be live with her in about now 14 minutes from now. And to the phones we go, 877-337-6666. Matt from the Jersey Shore. How's it going tonight, Matt? Hey, Danielle. How's it going? Good. Are you driving for Lyft tonight? I'm actually uh, just going through the Lincoln Tunnel as we speak, so I'm, I'm leaving the island. There you go. There you go. What do you got for me tonight? <laughs> I, I, wait, I waved as I went by the building. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, listening to you, I actually learned something. You and I are fellow roadrunners. Hey, you went to Rampo too? Look at that. I did. <laughs> yep, I've been all over the state. What can I say? <laughs> Small world. Yes. Um... So I usually call you about the Yankees. I think I've, you know, I've reached a point where that's probably going to come to an end until about hot stove sometime in the winter. Mm-hmm. But uh, just wanted to touch on the Jets. Um, yeah, I mean, if Donald wasn't running for his life the whole time he was here, yes. he may have done some better things. Um, they obviously didn't give him what they needed, especially with the line. Um, but what I was also going to call about Donald aside was I feel like they need to get a more veteran presence at running back because right now, like you said earlier, Michael Carter is averaging 33 yards a game Mm -hmm. and they're kind of going running back by committee. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like when they they had multiple quarterbacks, when you have more than one quarterback, you have no quarterback. And I feel like if you establish the run game, it's going to obviously keep the defense honest. It's going to be able to make the line block better. Of course. And, you know, and then uh, Wilson will be able to find his receivers better. That's And, and you know, stop being so panicky throwing at people's feet. I mean, <laughs> you know, Pettit and Curtis Martin and, and uh, Mark Sanchez had, had uh, Thomas Jones. Yeah. So get the kids, someone to go with some of these kids see, and see uh, if they can have a little bit of a, a better consistency there. Yeah, you know, and, and two things. One, they're probably not going to do that because they drafted, I believe it was two running backs uh, in the last draft. So that would mean they, they did it wrong. But then I would point out that, I mean, I guess Adam Gase is an anomaly, but, you know, Sam Darnold did have Le'Veon Bell behind him, but they didn't know how to use him anyway. So forget that point. Right. That's why I didn't bring him up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, but, well let's yeah. see. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. It's just. You know what it is? It, it's it's all of them are growing together. The head coach, the offensive coordinator, and the rookie quarterback, and they're just all kind of meshing together. And and that's what it's going to be this year. Everybody knew that. So I guess be right. patient. I don't know. Right. And if I could make a quick next point, um, I yeah. just want your take on something. So obviously, and frankly, I'm a little sad because I have Comcast, so I haven't been able to see a minute of the next game. Yeah, today. someone's Reach been tweeting me about that. That's horrible. Yeah, it's really sad. Those, they're finally watchable, and 
frankly, and I can't watch it. Go figure. Oh my god, you're gonna have to, uh, you're gonna have to have a Knicks party at the bar or something, at DJ's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I mean I'm a huge Yankees judge man, and I'll be honest, I've been very uh, you know dormant when it comes to watching Knicks Knicks games over the last 20 years, mm-hmm. as you can imagine why. But uh, I'm very you know basketball has become my weakest sport, and I don't know as much about the personnel as the other two teams. Is Fournier someone to be happy with in free agency? Or did they miss the boat when it came to, you know, having a decent last year and attracting potential free agents to go with, um, you know, what they had? Or is that more something they're going to focus on more next year? Because I feel like, obviously – they needed to win and show that they had a, a competent coach in tips. Um, but, it, I mean, is Fournier really the guy that they were trying to get? All right, and, and Matt, I'm going to hang out so you can hear the answer here, and good call there. See, Fournier, he brings a lot to this team. I mean, he was a former first-round pick. He, he's got a, a ton of experience. Um, he's 6'7". <laughs> he's 6'7", so he is a absolute presence Inside the paint. And, and, you know, was he the best one out there? Maybe, maybe not. But I know we're only two games in, so we'll go. I mean, he's averaged he, 25 points a game these past two, two games at, on average. Of course, that's going to come back down to earth. But he's good for four, a career, 14 points a game, three rebounds a game. You know, he's all right. I think he's going to fit right in with this team. I mean, Julius Randle is the centerpiece. Then you got Mitchell Robinson back at full health. So it was fine. It, it was fine. I, I'm okay with the Knicks going out and getting Evan Fournier. Fabian in Brooklyn, you're up next on the fan. Hi, Danielle. It's great to talk to you. Thanks. Um, I, want, you I want Mike Piazza as new match manager. I think Mike Piazza was the coolest match player. I think he'll be a cool match manager. I think uh, Stephen Cohen would, would love Piazza as manager because Mike will put fans in, in, in the seats if he was manager. Um, I, I think that's what they were going with when, when they hired Carlos Beltran and uh, Luis Rojas, someone young, fresh, uh, cool, and hip. I think that today's player doesn't want to be coached by an old, out-of-date uh, man. They'd rather have like a brotherly, equal relationship. Miss um, Danielle, what, what do you think? Yeah, Fabian, that's uh, that's the point, right? That that is the the thinking of a, a bunch of players, and they don't want to be managed. I'm, you know, in general, they don't want to be managed by an old school kind of guy, which I don't know if that's always the right way to go about that. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes the older guys are good still too. Like they reinvent themselves and all that. Maybe, but you're right about that. But, but as far as Mike Piazza for Mets manager, see, the thing is, I, I would hope that the Mets are looking for somebody with managerial experience and you know Mike Piazza has has I think he managed and I should know this I really should know this yeah he managed team Italy for the world baseball classic and I know that's not MLB you know but the guy's a hall of famer would he want to manage the Mets is another thing because at, at least with him, he, he's got managerial experience. With Carlos Beltran, he's got none. Zero. Not one single game, not even as a coach. 
I don't know. I would I would be interested to see if Mike Piazza would would pick up the phone if the Mets would call for a managerial position. Hmm. That you got me thinking. Kevin and Camden, you're up next on the fan. Coach. Kevin, you're in. I'm here. Um, congratulations on your um your one thousand dollars. Oh, thank know. you, thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Uh, now I'm gonna talk real quick about this bias thing because we we, t- we talked about this last time. Um, I would bring him back, but this will surprise you. I would not overpay for him because here's my thinking. My thinking is since he wants to play with his buddy, he would take a, a slight hometown discount. So I'm thinking. He might take a discount, and, that, and, and if you take a discount, I'll re-up him. But if he doesn't, then I'm not going to pay for him. <laughs> you don't want him at full price. No, <laughs> I'll, I'll take him at a discount, but I am not because, like you said the other day, they have more. They have more important needs, you know, pitching, you know, whatever. I want him back, but I'm not going to over. I'm not going to. I'm, I'm not going to spend like a drunken sailor to keep him. I, I would love him back, but it has to be a certain price for me. Yeah, so that, how, that might surprise you. Yeah, I, it, do, it does surprise me a little bit. How much? How much you want to pay for him? I mean, let's see what the market value is on him. Let's say, uh, I'd say like one eighty for like five, six years. Okay, like it might not be enough, but like, hey, yeah, yeah, know, it would take I, it or we leave got, it, right? We have more important needs. We need to, we need pitching because Strowman might not come back. So, yeah, see, that's, I mean, that, that's just, more important. We have more important needs to, to you know, Conforto. I want him back. So I mean, you got needs that you that we need to. Address. So that's what I'm saying. For me, it's just. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's a hard pass for me on, on how he buys it. And we could talk about this uh, on Tuesday. Kevin, I'll be on Tuesday, 7 30 p.m. Awesome. I'll be but, there. <laughs> uh, all right, Kevin, I appreciate the call. Um, I, 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 it's a hard pass for me on how he buys. Absolutely hard pass. I, I, like Kevin just said, and we've talked about here on this show in the past, the Mets have bigger, glaring needs. And we talk about it often, but here it is again. I mean, what is Jacob deGrom going to be? We've been saying it and saying it and saying it. He didn't even get to pitch at the end of the season. No one knows. I mean, it, literally, it would not surprise me, and I, and I hope I'm so wrong on this, but if he picks up a ball in February or whenever, based on this uh, collective bargaining agreement, blah, 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 right? If he picks up the ball and feels arm pain again and then has to go for surgery, I mean, why would not they want him out there at the end of the season to, to see and to give him a heads up, a head start on, on healing? But, okay, question mark. Jacob DeGrom, question mark, Noah Syndergaard. Who's been really good for you? It's it's Marcus Stroman. The Mets should absolutely re-sign Marcus Stroman, absolutely. Guy's a workhorse, and he loves being here. Not that that to, could, should preclude anybody for si- from signing a free agent, but, but he did a good job here. Guy plays hard. He's diving to tag out, tag the base. Guy's running th- to third. I mean... Yes, and, and I also would like to see Michael Conforto back in a prove-it deal, one-year deal. I love that. And I think he would kind of go for that, too. Like, look, you had a bad year. Go sign a one-year deal. Take the qualifying offer, really is what it should be. Take the qualifying offer, play for a year under it, and then go out and get your big money contract, whether that be with the Mets or, or elsewhere. But really, neither the Mets nor the Yankees can make any moves. And the Mets even more so because they don't have a front office or a manager intact. But neither of them and no team can really make any moves until this CBA is, is agreed to. Will there be a DH in the NL? I certainly hope to think so, and I hope so. But that's going to affect the spending and, and the movement of a lot of players this this offseason. So we'll see. All right, we've got Odyssey legal insider Amy Das joining us next on The Fed.
Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight here on The Fan uh, at 8.23 p.m. Joining the show now is Odyssey legal insider Amy Dash. Insider calls are presented by BetQL. Get access to data and insights the sports books don't want you to see. Bet smarter, beat the books, download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. Amy, welcome to the show. Hey, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. You know, um, listen, Deshaun Watson, let's start here. He's again in the news amid trade rumors to, the, you know, the Miami Dolphins. They seem imminent. So, Amy, you are the one I wanted to talk to because from a New York lens, the Dolphins are on both the Giants and Jets schedule. So thanks for carving out some time on this Saturday night for us. Oh, it's my pleasure. So the Giants have the uh, Dolphins on December 5th. The Jets have the Dolphins twice in one calendar month beginning on November 21st. You know, Deshaun Watson's a good quarterback, much better than Tua Tungavailoa. What percent chance do you see him on the field against either of our teams this season? You know, it's really tough because that's solely dependent on whether he's actually traded. And I was talking about it this afternoon that I think the Dolphins would have to be crazy to make that trade just because there's so much uncertainty you're going to give up picks. You're going to give up all this stuff. And then what if, you know, he arrives in Miami and then the following day charges drop? Okay, maybe you can cut him because there's a morals clause if he's charged or convicted with a crime. But um, you're really taking a chance that you're going to at least get this season out of him, maybe next season. But in terms of whether there'll be criminal charges, if there'll be criminal charges, you know, I, I think on the civil side and the NFL side, it'll take longer to have a determination. But the criminal side is really, really playing with fire because it could happen at any time. So it's a real gamble, I think. Yeah, you know, you're really invested in this. And, and me, I know I'm... I'm. I, what is the difference to him and his future if the cases are criminal or, or civil? Or, or can they be both? Well, I think with civil, you know, he's got a, a much better shot of returning to play because... We've seen in the past a lot of, you know, players, Antonio Brown, I mean, just countless people have settled civil suits. Usually right before trial it will happen. With his situation, it's a little more complicated because of just the volume of suits, you know, 20-plus right. suits. Each each suit, even though they're being uh, grouped together for discovery purposes, they're going to actually be tried separately. So he'd have to settle with 20-plus women. Hmm. Um, a lot of them represented by the same attorney, so that could help. Um, even Let's say he doesn't settle, right, and it goes through the civil uh, court system. That could take a year or more before he even gets to trial. So in the short term, we could see him playing. Um, and then even if there's a determination, you know, whether he's determined to be liable or not on the civil side, if he is found to be liable, there would be money damages, and then the NFL would have to come and do their investigation and decide, how many games to suspend him with at all. Um, so I think it's, a, it's, it's less of a long-term threat, and it certainly opens the door for short-term play, at least, on the civil side. On the criminal side, it's a whole other ballgame because the NFL's policy is that the second there's an indictment or a charge that's related to either domestic violence or sexual assault, the player immediately will go on the commissioner's exempt list. That's, just, that's the policy. It's written in there, and that's usually the trend of what the NFL will do and then wait for those investigations to resolve themselves, whether they're formal charges, whether there's going to be a trial. That could go on for a really, really long time if that happens. 
So it, it's quite a difference on the civil versus the criminal side. Hmm. So you said he he could he could play, right? You said he could play in the short term. So what if the Dolphins needed yeah. help, like right now, though? Like he could play in the short term, right? He could he could play, but but I think people are banking on the fact that now things have have settled down. It, it's quieter. However, the second he's traded. It's quiet because the Texans aren't playing him, right? They mm-hmm. can play him, but they've chosen not to because of everything that's surrounding it in terms of the publicity. Uh-huh. So let's say the second he goes to the Miami, you don't think that the media engine's going to start to rev again right. and there's going to be all this backlash and pressure on the Dolphins not to play him. Right. So why why even bring him there if they know that they're going to have to face that uphill battle of, like, are you really going to play this guy? And this has nothing to do with him being innocent or guilty because obviously he's innocent until proven guilty. Right. He hasn't even been charged with anything, but there's still going to be that pressure. So are the Texans, they're still paying him then, I assume, through all of this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the only time that he wouldn't get paid is if he goes on the commissioner's exempt list. But the NFL just has a policy that they don't want to interfere with an ongoing criminal investigation. And listen, if they were to put him on the commissioner's exempt list right now, it would be it would insinuate that the NFL thinks he did something wrong, right? And so that would be a rush to judgment right. because so far he hasn't been charged with anything. So ending up, uh, we're talking with Amy Dash, our Odyssey legal insider on the fan here. If Deshaun Watson ends up on the commissioner's exempt list, what exactly does that mean? That just means that he's going to sit there. He's probably not going to get paid. Um, it's, it's really up to the commissioner. Everything's arbitrary. Um, and so he could could or could not. It just depends. And then he would just sit there and wait until there's some sort of a completion of either a criminal investigation and trial or the NFL's own investigation. But it's like an indeterminate amount of time. Mm-hmm. So there's no certainty with that either. So, yeah, I mean, the Dolphins, they could they could bring him in and they could say, you know what, we don't care about the publicity aspect of this. We're solely focused on his value to the team. We want to give him the benefit of the doubt, and we're going to start playing him right away. I think they would need the league on board with that because ultimately the finger is going to be pointed at the league as much as the team. Right. And then they, they could say exactly what you're saying. Let's see how many games we could get out of him. Let's take our chances. And let's hope that we could get a season out of him. Mm-hmm. And then they could say, "Guess what? If he if he is charged with something, we'll just cut him." You know, but then you, they may not have to pay out the contract, or at least not what's guaranteed. But they're going to have to pay out. Uh, they're going to they're going to lose whatever picks um, right. and whatever else they exchanged right. in the trade. Mm-hmm. Well, Coach Flores has said he said, "I don't want to get into any rumors." Tua is our quarterback. We're happy with the quarterback. Our quarterback situation, I'll leave it at that, which I've said multiple times. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. Um, while I have you, Amy, let's talk about the Washington football team. We traveled down 95 to Landover, Maryland, to the Giants division rival Washington football team. And on the line right now, by the way, is Amy Dash, legal expert and founder of LeagueofJustice.com. There seems to be more and more and more coming out of these documents in this closed investigation. So why wasn't all of this information made public from the get-go? Well, that is the golden question. I mean, that's what everybody wants to know is why after this long investigation, first there was one by a firm hired by the football team and then the NFL, how come none of the findings were made public? And now the NFL, you know, as of recently, were tipped off to, hey, you should go examine these 
emails from the Raiders, the former Raiders coach. Wait, who would tip and, them off to something? I was thinking about that, too. Who would tip them off to something like that? I believe it was the firm that did the investigation, okay. which was the firm that was hired by the Washington football team. I believe that's who it was. Hmm. If that's the case, you know, obviously, maybe there was some sort of an axe to grind there. Um because why why would this person be singled out? However, right. if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe he was just singled out because he wrote some really awful things. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, they saw it and maybe they said, well, we didn't find anything else. I mean, some people don't believe that, but... I'm one of them. Said, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't find anything else, but, you know, this is this guy's saying some, some, you know, racist, misogynistic, homophobic things in the email, so we don't believe that he should be where he is in the position that he's in and go check it out. NFL. (laughs) Um, Can, can the commissioner, can Goodell be removed for essentially trying to sweep this all under the rug? Uh, If, if things come out that were not released by the NFL that are really damning, well, then you have the question of whether there was a cover up. Mm-hmm. And if there was a cover-up and if there was proof that Goodell was instrumental in keeping everything mum and he was doing it because of his loyalty to Snyder or what, right. for whatever reason or uh-huh. because he didn't want to implicate himself, I mean, maybe there are things that are being covered up that don't reflect very well on the commissioner. Right. And so if that's the case, sure. I mean, it, all, it always depends on what is the evidence and what, what can be proven and who can it be linked to. And can you even get access to that? So yeah. I think, um, you know, it, it remains to be seen. But but I think Goodell is very chummy with the owners. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. because he relies on them for some things. And, and they're the ones that are in charge of his of whether he stays in his role. So it's not like he's subject to an election by the public. Right. You know, so it, it's still a private closed system and it's a corporation. So. Uh, I think I think things don't always follow in line with what morality would require in those types of circumstances because there are a lot of personal and business interests that are involved. John Gruden's firing. He said, "People know me. People who know me know what I stand for. I have a resume of 58 years. The truth will come out." But Amy, it's in emails. What could that truth possibly be? Well, I think the truth came out. I mean, that's what I mean, I'm saying. <laughs> The, yeah, the emails are the truth, right? So, so first of all, the truth came out. I mean, how you feel about people and the way you speak about things behind closed doors, Mr. Gruden, that came out. And then they, maybe there's more to it. Maybe he's talking about, well, you know, I'm not the only one that said things or did things that were publicly uh, offensive, that there's more that was going on behind the scenes. Or, or maybe he feels like a lot of people feel that he was sort of the fall guy. Yep. And, you know, targeted in some sort of larger cover-up. Maybe that's what he means. I really have no idea. But it certainly seems like there's more going on behind the scenes that he's got some sort of an axe to grind now that he's been outed. And he's going to he's gonna uh, come forward with something, ultimately, it sounds like. I think he's just trying to figure out the right way to do it. Ultimately, can he win his job back? Or is that has that ship no. sailed? Yeah, it sailed. <laughs> the Mayflower has failed. Um, yeah, no, I don't think. Absolutely not. Um, because it's just too damaging, the things that he was doing and saying. So um, I think people should view his emails on their own 
and then also in the context of what's happening with the larger picture. Right. Meaning, meaning I don't think he should be excused just because other bad things may have been going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I think he's still accountable for his actions. And then um, maybe he will be the person to sort of uh, open the Pandora's box into whatever else is going on that hasn't been made public yet. Right. My, my question is, <laughs> has this exposed like a double standard within the NFL that says like, all right, ownership and, and Snyder, for example, they're untouchable. But anyone else like like Gruden? Nope. You're, you're gone. Maybe. I think the NFL operates differently than, like, let's say the NBA, you know, because, like, with Donald Sterling, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I just, yes and no. I mean, with the Panthers, you know, you saw that that, that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it just, it just really depends. I, I think it depends on the power that the owner holds, the amount of money that the owner is worth. I mean, we know, like, Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft are, like, really, really powerful, you know, and really, really influential. So I think there's a lot of politics that are going on behind the scenes where certain owners, I don't think any owner is untouchable, but certain owners may be less touchable than others. Hmm. So Amy Jass joins us live here on The Fan. The Washington football team paid a female former employee $1.6 million as part of a confidential settlement. What would happen if, say, Deshaun Watson or Trevor Bauer quietly paid off their accusers? Well, you know, if they had, I think we wouldn't be, they wouldn't be in the situations that they're in now if they had quietly paid off their accusers. I mean, just to be honest with you, so Deshaun Watson was offered the opportunity to pay off one of his accusers $100,000. The emails were, were made public already. It's not a secret. It happened in February right before that very first civil suit was filed and his lawyer chose to it's not that he didn't want to pay her but didn't want to pay her the hundred thousand and i believe they wrote back and said can she come up with another number or justify why she believes she's owed that kind of money because we don't feel that mr watson did anything wrong and that was the end of the negotiations the suit was filed and i spoke to the attorney personally who said you know he didn't believe that if if that first person had not filed her suit he didn't believe any of the others would have followed because his belief was that when she came forward, other people saw it and then felt the courage to come forward. Obviously, the attorney feels that Mr. Watson did these things, so that's the way he framed it. But um, I think, you know, there is something to be said about paying people off and not having them go public. Some some people are actual victims. I'm just speaking generally. Yeah. Sometimes they just want the money because that's the way that they can be made to feel whole. To them, it's a better alternative than going and putting themselves out in the public where they would be harassed and questioned right. and have to deal with all that stuff, right? So, mm-hmm. But on the other side of it is athletes will fight back against things that they perceive to be extortion attempts. Right. If they say, I didn't do anything wrong, so why should I pay this person? Mm-hmm. And they're in a vulnerable position sometimes, too. If they actually didn't do anything and they're just being targeted because they're worth a lot of money and they can be threatened and their career can sort of be, be um, you know, run through the mud, just just as we've seen with allegations coming out. That's really all it takes nowadays, whether they're true or not. So it's a tough call. We're talking with Odyssey insider, legal insider Amy Dash here on The Fan. Um, I guess two, two more. I, I did want to ask about this. 
What's the deal with the Washington football team's cheerleaders? Yeah, so the cheerleaders, um, you know, some of them allege that they were being sexually harassed, and a lot of their accusations is what sort of kicked off this investigation into the workplace culture. Uh, there were other people who worked at the organization, too, at Washington Football, who said that there was uh, a hostile work environment mm-hmm. and a lot of sexual harassment. But the che- some of the cheerleaders, I believe, were paid off and they signed non-disclosure agreements and then they couldn't come forward. But what has come out is the idea that there was this video that was taken by some of some of the cheerleaders while they were changing during some sort of a photo shoot. And they, they claim they didn't know they were being filmed and they were being filmed as they changed. So a lot of their private parts and their nudity was on the film. We don't know who took the video, but the rumor is that Somebody within the Washington organization, possibly Snyder himself, though that's been denied, um, instructed someone else, hey, grab some footage of these cheerleaders while they're changing in between the shoot. And and then this video of them nude was apparently circulated amongst people within the organization. So clearly they're fuming uh, because that's their nudity. Legally speaking, it's akin to, like, revenge porn. A lot of people hear revenge porn, they think that, oh, this is an ex-boyfriend or something that might take a, a nude photo of a girlfriend and go send it all around just to get back at her after she dumps him. That's not actually the case. There are a lot of revenge porn cases that are brought where the people don't even know each other. But just the fact that you're, without the consent of the person, taking somebody's nudity and disseminating it electronically, it can classify, if they prove the right intent, under the revenge porn statutes, and that's a crime. So no one's really bringing that up, but I am. But um, I'm surprised that there isn't a criminal investigation into that aspect of it. Not yet, maybe. Final question about Trevor Bauer, because I I looked at his his contract. Is He's got a player option right now. If Trevor Bauer chooses to exercise his player option, how likely will he be able to pitch next season, let's say, for our Mets or our Yankees who really need starting pitching? You know, I think his organization, I should say, just to start off, is done with him. I mean, that's just a way – I don't know that for a fact, but I've been hearing from people that just a lot of the fans and, and the organization itself has turned off. Mm-hmm. Those are rumors, of course, we don't know for sure, but um, – and these are people's opinions. But I think – to his credit, he did have a victory in court. There was an application for temporary restraining order. It was denied. He was not given uh, – there was no permanent restraining order. However, he still has to contend with a possible police investigation that is supposedly going on. And if nothing comes of that, if he's not charged, then I think maybe he does get back to the mound. And who knows? Yeah, maybe he's – away from the Dodgers, and, and he's on to another team, and all is forgotten, though it really depends. I mean, it really depends on how forgiving the fans are going to be after seeing the pictures that came out, and everybody, of course, formulates their own opinion. But mm-hmm. as of now, he's innocent until proven guilty. He hasn't been charged with anything, so he could certainly return. It just depends on whether there's an appetite for him. Oh, that is so hard. Looking at those pictures makes me lose my appetite, and I, and I hope he never gets picked up again. But that's just me. That's just me. All right, Amy. I feel you. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Amy, Dad, uh, thanks so much, Amy, for, for taking pleasure. time out of Saturday night it's to join pleasure. us tonight. 
Thanks so much, Danielle. Okay. It's great to talk to you. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye. That was Odyssey Legal Insider Amy Dash. Insider calls are presented by BetQL. BetQL is here to help us make better bets through real proven analytics. Bet smarter. Beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. And it's a no-go on Trevor Bauer in New York City for me. And for you guys, this is your last chance to get aboard. 877-337-6666. We've got a total mishmash coming up. Whatever you want to talk about to end the show tonight, I'm here for you. I'm Daniel McCartan with you on the Westwood Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight, and this is it. This is your last chance to get aboard. I'll be back on uh, Tuesday, by the way, Tuesday, 5.30 p.m. I'm sorry, I'm not. 7.30 p.m. on Tuesday. No, I'm not filling in for Craig and Evan, no. 7.30 p.m. on Tuesday, 7.30 to 11. I will be back. And that is a promise. It was our last chance to get aboard. 877-337-6666. Man, how smart is Amy Dash, by the way? How smart is she? Covered Deshaun Watson and his uh, his potential return to the NFL. Um, he could play. The Texans are just choosing not to play him. And in the meantime, they're paying him. So will he get moved? Amy said the Dolphins would be crazy to trade for him in terms of the, the, the draft capital that she'll have to they'll have to give up to get him. In terms of the Washington football team, she described it as Pandora's box. So we will wait and see what happened there. And Trevor Bauer. The Dodgers are done with him. That's for sure. And I think if uh, the MLB had any sort of moral compass, he'd be done on all of the 30 teams, not just the Dodgers. But he does have a player option. And if he exercises it, he could be in a uniform next, starting next season. A, one, a different one other than a Dodger uniform. So that's going to be something to watch that no one's really talking about. To the phones we go, 877-337-6666. Sparky in Dobbs Ferry, you're up on the fan. Okay, how's everything, Coach? I'm good, how are you, Sparky? Oh, okay, so did did you do the thing with your shoulder you were mentioning last week? Uh, no, I didn't have a chance to do it yet, but I did get approved for the MRI with dye, and uh, okay. I just got to go ahead and schedule it, but it's it's been a little busy, we'll put it that way. Oh, well, let's hope everything works. We'll see. Now, um... When you were talking to Amy, mm-hmm. bringing up Trevor Bauer mm-hmm. and the Yankees with pitching, no matter how much pitching the Yankees <laughs> need, you can't go near this guy with a 10-foot pole. Totally He's with you. He's just one of those that will never cut it in New York. I mean, let's say he didn't have any of this other stuff happen. He's just not a New York-type person. No, not at all. I hope I hope yeah. no team touches him with the ten foot pole, no matter where they are and no matter how many pitchers they need, just as you said. I mean, coach, there's something wrong with this guy. I yeah. mean, it's no you know and I'm now nothing I'm curious now about Jacob deGrom. I'm wondering, do you think it's more than a coincidence that he's has all these crazy injuries this year? Do you think it's a possibility he could be like that pitcher from Tampa Bay glass now where he was affected because of possibly using the sticky stuff? I don't know. It's a hard thing. I mean, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. Because, because everything, it just seems so like it's cloak and dagger with this guy. You know? Yeah. You would, 
you'd be wondering, you know, a guy that has the importance to the franchise this guy has, I and mean, everything seems like it's behind closed doors, you know? Yeah, I, and yeah. I know, it's a curiosity. And the, and the thing, too, as far as, like, keeping players as far, with the Mets, I would just stay away from, from what's his name, the pitcher. Now I'm forgetting his name because I'm talking to you. <laughs> Duncan. Syndergaard. Syndergaard. Stay away from him. Okay. I would like, no, you, I'd like to see where he's at. You know why I'd stay away from him? Because nothing for nothing, just the way the guy goes about things, he seems like he's more concerned about throwing the ball 110 miles an hour than being a pitcher, and that's why he probably got hurt. Yeah. Sparky, you know what I would do with him? I would make Noah Syndergaard a closer. If he doesn't work out as a starting pitcher, he w- he could be my closer any day. Throwing the ball 100 miles an hour, that is like closer material, is it not? Looks like Nick in Long Beach is going to be our closer of the night. Nick, you're up on the fan. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you, Nick? Good. I just wanted to say, Trevor Bauer, give the man his due process. I believe in second chances. And Yankees, they have somebody on their roster who did something bad. Agreed. Domingo Herman. And the role as Chapman, if you he don't forget. He got a 20-game suspension, mm-hmm. and they welcomed him back. The only mm-hmm. Yankee to talk about it was Luke Boyd, I believe. Uh, no, uh, Zach Britton also discussed it, too. Yeah. Like, he's still in the process, so we don't know the facts yet. It hasn't gone to trial. Yeah, we'll wait and see. But you know what is a really good indication to me, Nick? None of the Dodgers want anything to do with him. Not the ownership, not the manager, not his, his players. So, sure. We'll give him due process, that's for sure. But if you looked at those photos, you saw those pictures, and you saw what, you know, all the evidence that was presented to us, the general public, doesn't look good. And when you back that up with the fact that his teammates don't want anything to do with him, that's that's a bad look. All right, you guys, thanks to all of the callers. Could not have done this without you. I love coming here and talking with you. If you missed any portion of today's show, hit that Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start of the show, which was 5 p.m., at 8.20, Odyssey's legal insider Amy Dash joined us to put a New York sports lens on the Washington rumors, the Pandora's box in Landover, Maryland, and what Trevor Bauer's options are should he exercise his player option. Great job to Matt Casey and to Emmanuel Burbard behind the glass and also to Erica Herskowitz on the updates. I'll be back with you guys Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Mark it down. In the meantime, you guys can hit my social media channels at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, and we will keep the conversation going there. And we hit $1,000 on our fundraiser with the Devils. Radio